Well, hello, everybody. It is Monday, July the 17th. If you're catching this show live as we're about to crank up another edition of Broadcast Healing of the Robert Scout Bell Show, uh, live second hour simulcasting on TV as well. I've got uh, a returning guest, but it's been a while since we've had her on. My dear, sweet friend, and she's brilliant. One of the best writers on planet Earth and researchers and reporters, Celia Farber. Uh, is back, and we've got a lot to talk about, including the reissue of her book, Serious Adverse Events and Uncensored History of AIDS. Uh, And boy, boy, what has happened since that time? So much. Uh, First hour, we've got Scott Nugent on. You might have seen him in the film What is a Woman? Uh, There's a lot to discuss on the transgender issue, someone who who knows it very well personally, and we'll discuss that, including claims that uh, if you don't uh, uh, transition a man to a woman or woman to a man, which is not really possible in reality. Uh, If you don't do that, that somehow you will induce or force suicide. We'll talk about that issue as well, which is, you know, dead wrong, of course. Let's see what else we got. Oh yeah. The great event just got back. I got to bed at after three in the morning. Why can't airlines be on time? Okay. I know there's weather and stuff. Anyway, we've been uh, this weekend near Joplin, Missouri at uh, the wonderful, homestead of Leslie and James and the six girls. And it was the RSB family union. We've got some stories to tell from that as well. So thanks for being here. Y'all share the show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. And uh, you can bring the power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of us. And I thank you for doing so. Let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. I'd like to say we're back and we're live. I could at least say we're back. I don't know if I'm alive here. <laughs> Just the lack of sleep. Oh, good Lord. We went out at O Dark 30 and I got back at O Dark 30. Uh, the event in uh, near Joplin, Missouri was a smashing success. And thank you to all that attended. And I know we had some people that, that had to cancel at the last minute and others that were surprise attendees as well. It all works out beautifully. Everybody ends up where they need to be, the right place, the perfect place. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, what went on there this weekend and how the only thing that was really bad about it was that Super Don wasn't there. And that's just not me saying it because I was fine without Super Don being there. I really was. <laughs> I wanted him there too. Okay. Everybody says, why doesn't super Don come? He's like, well, he's visited family and on, on, on it goes, but you could, I was like, dude, just one day he'll show up. So I don't have to hear why isn't super Don here. That's not me throwing super Don under the bus. It's encouraging him, telling him how much he is loved. Now, <laughs> one of the things that happened at the uh, RSB family union was that uh, our buddy, Kevin Tuttle was there and he's just an ex- extraordinary soul a loving ser- a servant of God, in my humble opinion, as I, I've witnessed him in the in the few years that I've known him now. And he is uh, almost one foot out the door heading to Israel with his family, moving there, in fact. And this was the, the final event he attended, I think, as far as I know, other than kids' baseball games and things like that. And uh, we're all going to miss him. We were shedding tears as he left. And uh, I just want to thank Kevin. Not that th- I, we were not going to have Kevin on and do things. That's just, it's just, you know, the physical reality is not going to be as close uh, to hit all of these events that we go to. So that was another thing that happened that was extraordinary. And then, of course, Leslie, James, and the six girls hosting us at a place where 
not long ago, they described it as, you know, a junkyard, but with so much that was on there that they had to clear off of the land to prepare it, uh, to get it ready for hosting us. And of course, to grow their own food, they had cows and goats and chickens and turkeys and guineas and uh, what else? I, I don't even remember all the things that they had there, but we've got some images to, t- uh, to show. And uh, I think that uh, tomorrow I want to show some of a uh, couple of the, the, the presentations, impromptu presentations that occurred. We'll embed into the show tomorrow. Uh, one on electro agriculture by my buddy, Scott Scherner, and another that I uh, wanted to do before we wrapped up uh, just yesterday. In fact, as this is airing live on neurological degradation diseases, their prevalence and, what causes it and what to do about it. One of the things I didn't get to go into, I talked hydration, but as we open the show, um, the molecular hydrogen, dissolving hydrogen into water, the active state of hydrogen is hydrogen H2 for the body. That's another sensational option. If any of you are concerned about yourself or your loved ones or family or friends suffering with a neurological downturn, Drinking the echo water is a significant part of prevention and recovery, in my humble opinion, and yes, scientifically uh, validated as well. Uh, Super D, as uh, I opened the show, I teased about you and you just didn't open your microphone or your camera. Is there something going on I should know about? No. Was, was I annoying you? I mean, you know, just... If, did I did I miss my cue? Is that what the? Well, it was a semi cue, but the cue was yeah. You, no, everybody just, wanted you to be there. That's no, I'm just I saying, just in it. case you're you're in trouble with your wife ever, and you're in the doghouse. I just want you to know that people love you. <laughs> Not that you are or ever would be. So what you're saying is, if I'm ever in the doghouse, then I've got some place I can go, right? Just you know, there are so many people that will we'll take just, you in. Yeah, I can just Not, escape not, to an event or something. No, not, yeah, <laughs> you are. I don't know. Event. You know, it's like, uh, dude, it's. Yes. You know, I mean, it's, I've got so much going on and I've got work that I've got to do, you know, here and kids and grandkids and responsibilities. My wife has a job and has a yeah. work schedule. Uh, and so, you know, the idea of like, let's go to Missouri, you know, it's kind of like, that's, that's a big thing, right? It's not yeah. like, let's, let's, let's go to Medford, you know, that's an hour and a half away, you know, right. driving. Oh, you're so. right. It is a big deal and I get it. And, and I'm not mad at you, you know, that don't take it like that, but it's just an acknowledgement of the affection the folks have for you. Yeah, I'm not avoiding yeah. people. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, 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 mm-hmm. maybe one of these days there can be an event that takes place out here. Closer to you. Yes. And then you can somehow, you know, and, you know, whatever. We'll, yeah, we'll, I'm, I'm we'll more see. used to flexing and going places. That is true. And, and also, I think Ty and Charlene have said they don't believe you're real after all these yeah, years. Yeah, but they've, they, they've harassed me enough where it's kind of fun now just not to show up. Because, oh, okay. Well, know. we do have the, the Remedy uh, docuseries coming out uh, later this month. Yes. And I think you sent the first email blast out. For those of you that are not getting the RSB Show newsletter, you missed it. Uh, your first access points to get the docuseries coming out on the remedies for uh, vaccine injuries, including COVID, but, um, you know, focusing on all of them. Uh, That's what it is. Uh, It's called Remedy, Remedy Film. And it's, uh, well, Robert Kennedy is in it. Bobby Kennedy is in it as well. And I'm featured in it. And many of our friends are. And it's a wonderful tool to share now because the readiness, the acceptance the acknowledgement of the danger of these things is is much more prevalent than it ever was. So people that might have shunned you had you send them this before will probably say thank you now. 
the film that uh, cures the fear by getting through the the remedies and, and revealing. So it went into everybody's inbox. If you're signed up for the newsletter, yeah. uh, if you are not sign up for the newsletter, there'll be more emails going out, or you can just go to the banner to, on mm-hmm. the on the website, upper right hand corner. Yeah, dude. If I fall asleep today, it isn't because I'm bored with the guests. The guests are going to be awesome. It's just that I again got in bed by three o five a.m. I looked at the clock. I'm like, I'm out like a light, but it just wasn't long enough. And I got there with no no sleep. I looked like I don't know. Somebody sent you a picture of me in that sleep state that I haven't even seen yet. Uh, I, so I don't, I don't know if I have that. I you know what? It's like yeah. I I actually forgot about that picture. Oh, good. Maybe I shouldn't uh, mention it. But, let's see. Yeah. Do I have it? Do I have it? Uh, Hold on. I don't know. Have you ever been so tired that you're just not able? It's so painful to stay in your body. You just can't do it. That was Dude, the first I, night. I sleep in the car all the time. I can't give you a hard time because it, it happens. I did it yesterday. Yeah. You know, uh, driving back because it was a seven-hour drive. Yeah. Um, no, you're not, not, not when I was driving, okay. no. All right. Just no. want to make sure. I was passenger. But okay. in any case, yeah, I don't have that picture readily available. But Okay. I think, you know, you gave me a complex. Uh, the last time I had a funny picture, I felt bad for, for having too much fun with it. So. Oh, horrible. Yes. So that that one has to be retired. But I'll you can dig put it a up. I'll find picture. it somewhere. So uh, can you show a montage of, of the weekend real quick? Yeah. Uh, I just want people to have a sense of the fun we had and, and the things we got to learn. Um, if uh, Let's see if we can go around. There's, uh, let's see, if we go clockwise, the top right-hand corner is uh, James and the, the family. They did a... Uh, the what is that called cornhole, cornhole show, yeah. game where you throw the the bean bags yeah. into the hole and they designed one with the power to heal is yours and the Robert Scott Bell show logo on logo on it, it was amazing beautiful yeah. and so the kids were playing that throughout the week there on the right below that is Scott Scherner we've had him on the show uh, integrative doc my good buddy uh, and functional type medicine and let's see we got uh, below that there's Lorelai Lorelai yeah. yep she's she taught us all about microgreens. And I'm just trying to see the the the, pic, the various pictures here of the. It's just such a nice casual setting outdoors in There's the. There's Kevin tent. milking a goat. Oh, you see that one? Yeah, bottom right hand corner. Kevin milking a goat. He was just having a little too much fun. I see the smile on his face. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. And there. then Kevin with a chicken. Yes, that chicken jumped on his shoulder, like wow. it thought it was a parrot. That's I awesome. Mean, and there's a. Uh, Taryn Gregson and her husband, Mitch Mitchell, who's great, and some more, more folks that were there. And uh, Taryn and me in the top left-hand corner, there's some of the sheep, I think, yep. or the lambs as well. And there, there's you with there's, the host. Yes, and we were Leslie uh, was on the Sunday Conversations of the Robert Scott Bell Show, and what a heart-centered, spirit-filled There's woman. Leslie with the pigtails that she didn't want anybody, yeah. everybody to see. So She's sorry, such Leslie. a sweetheart. She's, yeah. so, she's just a kind and loving servant of God, honestly. And uh, we had a great conversation. If you missed Sunday Conversations yesterday, you missed another great, great show. Very special from the heart. And uh, just, just like you said, you understand, I don't understand it sometimes, how this community has come together for Leslie and family to do what they did to bring a disparate groups of people, individuals all over the country together in the heartland, not an easy place to get to. And one of the, it was interesting, the couple that came from, uh, well, 20 minutes away, apparently, I had met, uh, in it was Rick. I, I met them at the uh, Loveland event last month, and oh, cool. they're not online at all. And I they met. I said, "Hey, you guys! Oh, I heard you're from there. I'm doing this. We're doing that." And they showed up, and it was really cool. They added a nice. lot to the weekend. So I can't even begin to say how delicious the pies were. I had pecan Dude, you pie, talked, a, you apple talked pie. about 
the pies cherry just, just incessantly yeah. leading up to it so i'm glad that it didn't disappoint so if anything else uh you would have eaten well uh kevin donated a lot of grass-fed oh, I, I, wonderful I, I ate well we yeah. had we had a barbecue uh, you did on too. friday and then we hit a couple of places out there that are our favorite uh yeah. i had a ribeye oh yeah there's a place out there that cooks a ribeye like like there you go. nobody else. It's, Enjoy. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, there's yeah. a lot of serious issues on the planet that we live on. And I don't deny that. We don't. We do head on cover them too. But I am just encouraged to remind you, as I try to remind myself, to find ways to celebrate the goodness in life, the happy things that can occur. And that even in the midst of horrible things, we can't stay in that miserable state. It's just not functional and supportive of our life and our health, et cetera. And, you know, I, I love to be able to be uplifted and uplift others. And yet we have to cover some very serious issues as we talk about, um, you know, whether it be the medical kidnapping issues over the years we've covered, uh, of course, the the danger of vaccinations, uh, the scam of of so much of what modern medicine does in trying to convince us that we all have drug deficiency diseases to poison us back to health. And now we have another medical issue that is piggybacked on a, a psychological, emotional, and I would say even a spiritual issue that is identity. And I'm not even saying identity politics, but the idea of uh, a male and a female, that idea that we aren't male or we aren't female in terms of the physicality, the body that we're born into, that it can be just changed and altered through, uh, surgery and chemistry and that's a very dangerous thing to to uh to promote uh which was something we never heard of really you know it's rare but i look i'm not saying there was never such a thing as a gender reassignment surgery particularly you know if you have uh children born you know with defects that had, had both sexes there's weird things that have happened in history so i'm not saying it never happens but to become an industry like it has multi-million, maybe multi-billion dollar industry as these surgical centers are popping up all over the place. What is going on? That never happened. Oh, we're here. We're diagnosing this gender uh, confusion thing better than ever before, like they claim with autism. Yes, it was always around. You tell me if you're 50 years old, 40, 50, 60 years old, 70 years old, tell me who among your peers do you recognize that what you've seen as autism in the last 20 years or so, or even 30? Do you know as a child that you recognize, oh, yeah, we had lots of those kids? No, uh-uh, sorry, not better diagnosis. There's something warped about modern medicine. There's a lot of things warped about modern medicine. That includes doctors that are willing to mutilate children and those that are willing to promote the mutilation of children because of something called gender dysphoria confusion. We're going to get into that. Our first-hour guest, uh, Scott Nugent, you may have seen him featured in uh, the film What is a Woman? And apparently, you know, what he had said really stood out, What the experience that, that you'll see here. Uh, we're going to have him on, ask him about, talk about what he's he's been through, what he's going, what's going on, and, and his website so you can support his efforts as well as you, I think you'll appreciate his message. Uh, Super Don, do you have that clip from What is a Woman? We could set that stage and we'll bring Scott Nugent in right after that. For the first time in history, a marginalized group has a huge dollar sign on the top of their head. We have five children's hospitals in the United States promoting that. What? That's a phalloplasty. That's a bottom surgery. We have five children's hospitals in the United States telling girls 
that they can be boys at $70,000 a pop in a surgery that has a 67% complication rate. That will kill me from infection that I can't sue on. We're butchering a generation of children because nobody's willing to talk about anything. I have three kids at the age that they're doing this to kids. I'm not transphobic. I love my kids and I love other people's kids and you should too. This is wrong on so many levels. God bless you, Scott Nugent, for speaking out uh, with passion, with integrity. And, you know, your direct experience is something not everybody has had. And I want people to know about you if they don't already. Many have seen you in that film. But thank you, Scott, for being here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, thanks. I wish you would have told me you were. That's that's really hard to watch. I don't think people realize that, you know, doing what I do is is like just slicing my chest open and, and opening it up and letting it fall out because, uh, people aren't listening to just, you know, people that just regurgitate facts, but, um, I'm, I'm glad it's helped people. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and thank you. I know it's difficult, uh, to go through and relive these, these traumatic experiences, but, uh, for the sake of helping those that don't know your story, uh, I think it's important to share it and tell it, uh, so that there's a different perspective that they have, because, you know, we've seen how the media is, is so split in terms of political ideology. I wish this wasn't a political issue. I don't think it should be a political issue. It's a real human and, and protecting children issue. But I realized that there is a uh, kind of a split in terms of a, a chasm that may not be surmountable. But I think someone like you could perhaps bring that humanity back into the, the story that lacks it in so many ways. Well, true. Uh, the way people are going to understand what's going on is with somebody who is, you know, not jumping on the first politician and <laughs> making tons of money with supporting them or, you know, making money on this. I've, I've done this consciously my way, which is the way uh, the right way, which is the way to get people to understand that what we're doing to children, what we're doing to human beings is wrong and a hard road. Uh, so from that comes emotion. Right. So. Uh, to explain how I was 42 and decided to medically transition is, is a long, 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 long story. Uh, but to cut it down to size, at, at 42, I was in a place, in a vulnerable place where we all are at different times in our life. Um, and uh, long story short, I was in a relationship with a woman who was very, very religious, very Catholic. And she used to soothe herself with the idea that uh, she wasn't a lesbian. She was just in love with me. And uh, I was a man trapped in a woman's body. Well, you know, I, I had heard those kind of things in, in my whole life, you know, as a child, uh, you know, boys aren't that aggressive, girls do this. And, and as I as I grew up, I kind of started to, to really enjoy who I was and realized that I was an alpha female and became a, a business sales executive. But in, in the back, and I don't think people understand that in the back is always, you know, at the business parties or, or at the office and, and all the girls go out for drinks and then all the boys go out for drinks and you're alive and the first thing that somebody asks you is, how long have you, how did you know you were a lesbian? You know, you're nice. And, why don't, uh, and so it's just like, it's never, you never fit in. And, uh, you know, hearing that and then coming to that 42 year old place and, and just getting fed that in the back of my mind and laughing, but seeing all the social contagion of the jazz Jennings of the, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, just one, one little slip, like, God, I wonder if I was born in the wrong body. And my wife was like, yeah, that's probably true. And uh, so the next week I was sitting in front of a trans woman therapist who asked me how long I had been dressing uh, like a man. Now, 
in my early 20s, I used to do hair. I was a makeup artist. Um, I went to finishing school twice <laughs> in my family. Uh, so I knew how to walk, knew how to talk, knew how to look, did not look like a lesbian. I was dominant, though. Uh, and that one sentence at a vulnerable place at 42 shattered my whole reality. The one sentence? Yep. And here's why. Here's why. To give you an inside, to give you an inside uh, look on that. When you don't fit in in childhood, that's all you want to do is fit in. And then when you're in your 20s, you realize, hey, fitting in is, is kind of cool. Makes me different. I mean, you, you see the CEOs at 25. All, all the people that do really amazing things are all people that don't fit in. Um, you know, but being re, you know, told that over and over and over again, it, it does take an you know, effect on your soul. And so after that trans woman said that to me, it was like two weeks of being mortified, mortified with the idea. Just imagine yourself, you know, walking in Walmart and, you know, you're thinking to yourself, my God, you know, have everybody I've passed in my whole life said, you know, then I never heard Oh God, that's Kelly. That's a man. He doesn't know it. What an idiot. And so it was like two weeks of, Oh my God. And then after that was this realization that I get to fit. This is what's wrong. I get to fit. I'm not a lesbian. I'm not, you know, super dominant, wrong woman. It, you know, instead of going, Hey, women come all different ways. Men come all different ways. It was like, Oh my God, this fits. And the sad part about it is that before I came out as transgender, I did fit. So we've got some work that we need to do on, on what we accept uh, with males and, and females. And so that was me at 42. Our children don't have uh, don't have a chance and we have to get down to what I call why. So do you feel like at 42 then there was elements of psychological manipulation for profit involved in encouraging you to uh, get this kind of I, we, I call it butchery, but a surgical procedure that alters your physical body, but doesn't change chromosomally what the body is. So here's the thing. There, there's two sides of this, Robert. There is the uh, financial side, and then there's the societal side, right? So right now, we're sitting in an imbalance uh, within our society. Like it or not, evangelicals or far-right people need far-left people, and far-left people need far-right people because it keeps a balance, right? When anybody gets out of line, the other one kind of holds that balance. Well, right now, the media, whether or not people believe it or not, it is true. The media is not covering the truth. Uh, people are not hearing the truth. All they're hearing are the right-wing social media stars and left-wing social media stars that are doing a cult mentality, which is here is the bubble of everything that you need to think and believe. And if you believe that, you can sit in here and be part of something. If you don't agree, then get out. Um, and so it's creating that blind spot. So we have an, an enormous blind spot. It's one of the reasons why I don't I don't attach to any side. We need people to be in the middle. Unfortunately, in the middle means that you uh, don't make any money and you get laughed at all the time. But that's where the truth lies. Um, so for me, there's a two part to that. It is financial. Yes, it's also a societal uh, problem that we have now. Well, you're you're talking. I I sense about the human compassion issue of the difficulties exactly. uh, that, that may exist and may even pre-exist to some degree, the manipulation that I think is taking place with these yep. children that don't have a capacity as an adult to even figure this out ever, if at all. And they're altered permanently in a way that they've never had a, you know, as an adult, if we argue that, Hey, if you're an adult and if you want to do this, uh, you know, that's what we call freedom at the same time, 
I would acknowledge that there are some mental, emotional, and spiritual crises that adults are going through that may not require or ever need a result in surgical alteration to make you rely permanently on cancer-causing, endocrine-suppressing, you know, synthetic drugs. Well, yeah, you know about that, don't you? But yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I agree with you. And and how we come to how we come to a conclusion on this or coming to sanity is by saying the truth. And the truth is, is that medical transition is 100% cosmetic surgery. Now, adults that want to do that, it might help some kind of walk through life a little bit easier. You know what? You do you. You go for it. You pay for yourself. Uh, just like a woman that maybe gets a breast augmentation or, or a man that gets, uh, you know, plugs in their hair or whatever. I wish that we would get to the place where we would all accept each other, but cosmetic surgery is not going to go anywhere. But it's not life-saving. But if you tell it, to people that it is, and it's a long-term process. There's a, you know, medical transitions between five and 10 years. And when you get done with it and it's not life-saving, not only is it not life-saving, it makes you even less. It's the only reason why there is only one study that has stood the test of time on suicidal ideation. And it finds that these people that medically transition are more suicidal after they medically transition than before. It's the only study that has uh, held the test of time. Well, I want to go into that right now. Super Don, you have another clip if you can get it ready. And this is a, a, what we call a media training clip. Uh, this is, you know, you're going out, Scott, and, and somebody's helping you and coaching you and say, hey, you're going to be confronted with media personalities, as you pointed out, on the extreme right or left, that may hit you in ways to try and trap you or trick you, make you fumble and look like a fool in some way. How do you stand up against that? And so this was an example of that, of what you would face. Perhaps you have faced it in interviews, not not in this show, but uh, where yeah. this occurs and you're prepping for it and how you handled it related to that specific issue you just brought up in terms of suicidal ideation behavior, post-surgery, yep. pre-surgery, et cetera. So Super Don, if you don't yep. mind, let's run, run this clip. This is an immediate thing, training. Thing, I, was not, I was not trained. This was a total, uh, this was a total out of left field. Um, she didn't tell me that she was going to do this kind of question. Okay. So you can tell at the end, I'm kind of pissed off because she didn't let me, she didn't let so, me uh, organize for it. I did pretty good, but <laughs> yeah. we we're seeing an organic response to something you didn't expect. Yeah. Okay. This yeah, is good. Let's... You're mad. I'm like, yeah, I was mad. Tell me if you're going to ask me those questions. Well, they're not going to tell you if they ask you those right. questions, Scott. So, so let's take a look, go ahead and run a clip. Welcome back to the program. We're joined by Scott Nugent. Scott, I just want to jump right in. You have been speaking out against medical transitioning uh, for minors. You are somebody who has experienced that yourself. However, uh, one thing that we haven't been able to figure out is why you are opposed to banning trans women in sports. Why, why do you not want trans women to compete in sports? Well, in, in 1973, we had the law passed that basically, you know, women could compete against other women and we did that so that you know self-esteem of women could be lifted and, and we kind of excluded males from from that category now trans women are biological males who create an illusion of a woman they are not women so they shouldn't be in sports so you're saying that that trans women don't exist that they are not trans women do, should not have any rights is that what you're saying what I'm saying is that uh, biological women should be able to compete with other biological women in in a competition that makes it fair trans women are men as that's what I'm saying trans women are biological men well what about a, a boy who believes that he is born in the wrong body do you want him to commit suicide would you rather have a, a son commit suicide or have a daughter that lives why, why are you opposed to this type of medical uh, 
medication and medical practice that can help stave off suicide for so many young people. Wow, that, that, was a, that was a big mouthful, wasn't it? Well, let's start here. Uh, no child is born in the wrong body, first of all. And better an alive daughter than a dead son is actually wrong. There's only one long-term study that has ever held up the test of time. Seven that said it was beneficial for kids. All of those studies have been either retracted or modified with oops doesn't help anything uh, or not enough time, not enough participants. The one long-term study that has lasted the test of time from 1973 to 2003 done in Sweden followed 326 transgender adults found that these kids are going to be more suicidal after. So my question is, why are you okay with taking kids so, that are so suicidal? So you're I'm not okay, done. Scott. You are no, okay with children committing suicide. No, what I'm saying is that I'm not okay with these kids committing suicide, but these kids will be more suicidal after they medical transition because you are spreading things that are not true. All right, Scott, that's all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining us. Dude, Scott Nugent, knowing what I know now about the interview that we just watched, even though it was a practice one, you, you did very well. And you stood your ground and you knew your facts and you didn't back down. And uh, for those of you who'd like to support Scott Nugent in the efforts to communicate this, I think that is so very important. Someone who has a lot of street cred on this, having gone through this himself. Uh, Gosh, darn it. It's just amazing. A lot of people don't realize that I don't get paid for for doing this. Uh, No, all these podcasts. I don't. I work 27 for these kids. And, you know, my kids, my family suffers. And I do not, I do not recognize a certain political party or a political person that would make me a lot of money because it would make me less effective and we need to stop these kids that's my number one goal period end of story yeah well maintaining that integrity is important on a message like this because anything they could do to no pun intended hatchet job you you know in terms of discrediting you in some way because there's so much political and uh let's say economic uh force behind the dialectic here on both sides of the yeah. equation, although uh, I believe right now the, the the political left is just bizarre in their promotion of this, uh, you know, the points you make. If you really care about kids, you don't transition them and end up realizing, my gosh, we're seeing more suicides when that happens. Go full screen on that website so we can see it, uh, scottnugent.com, S-C-O-T-T-N-E-W-G-E-N-T.com. You can reach out, contact if you'd like uh uh, Scott to appear, talk, or if you interview, or if you'd like to donate and support uh, the efforts that he has. We found him on Twitter as well, and I think you've probably been banned on Twitter multiple times. Uh, despite, <laughs> uh, yeah, despite it's supposed to be a free speech platform now. I don't know if it's gotten better under Musk for you or not, uh, but suffice yeah. it to say, you know, when I'm learning, you, you know, what you're all about is genuinely protecting children from this butchery. And I, you know, I pointed out again medically how not only horrific and traumatic the surgery is for the body, but to have to rely on transitioning type hormones that are carcinogenic. It's like you're inducing a a likelihood of cancer in young people that may or may not have ever had, let's say, a, a, a proclivity for that cancer because you're inducing it medically. Well, yeah, sure. We're talking about, we're to, well, here's the thing. These laws that that passing, I'm, I, I helped write the first bill like five years ago. I've been doing this a long, long time. Um, now they're coming out with, with basically banning the, the surgery and, and, you know, allowing the puberty blockers like that's some kind of a win. That's not a win. The puberty blockers are the ones that do the most damage. Now, this is a company called Lupron that was sued and deemed a criminal enterprise in 2003 by the U.S. government, a company that our U.S. government says is a criminal 
Enterprise and was forced to pay $874 million in 2003, bigger than Oxycontin at the time. This is the company, this is the corporation, this is the pharmaceutical company that's telling you puberty blockers are safe, puberty blockers are reversible, and the truth is, is they haven't run any studies because if they do run studies, my opinion, there's no doctor in the world that would sign on them. But here's what's happening outside of our, our United States that, that they are actually covering in, in Europe that they're not doing here. So puberty blockers are causing girls' spines to not fuse together properly. So we've got 90, you know, 90-year-olds walk like this. We have 15-year-old girls that are walking mm -hmm. like that, not mm -hmm. to live past 90. We have boys that have early onset osteoporosis. We've got 19 and 20-year-olds with hearts and lungs and livers the size of 11-year-olds, never to grow. They've jumped over that. We, we are pressing puberty at the time the brain development is happening now that brain development is a timeline of of kind of physiology you you don't go back with that there are some things that when you unsuppress puberty it does start over again uh, but there's some things that don't so we are finding some really really horrible 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 things that are happening to these kids and we are finding 20 year old girls that will look like boys for the rest of their life who are straight, who are attracted to men and will have to live a life of looking like a gay man for the rest of their life. And that's harder. There's no reason to make your life harder. We'll never be able to have biological children. We'll probably not you know, live past 50 because it cuts your life by 10 to 15. And we don't know. And that's what we do know. So, you know, then you have to go to the why of, of why doing that. Yeah. And indeed, uh, we have an article here. Uh, New York Post is covering. It says the CDC gives guidance for trans people chest-feeding kids and is now accused of failing to consider possible health risks. I mean, isn't that yep. an under understatement, just like what you said, what I've said, and now on the other context or concept of like, okay, now that you've quote-unquote transitioned, uh, we're going to give you drugs that will cause you to excrete something from your chest or breasts that uh, would not normally ever come out of a man. And of course that will have toxic residue associated with a toxic drug that facilitates or forces and orchestrates something that is entirely just unnatural. It's not even coming close to what this is. Yeah. This one makes me really angry. So let's take this apart. Okay. Uh, here's the truth. Those headlines are, are so uh, those headlines, what the headline should be is that men with male fetishes are having babies, newborns suck on their nipples for sexual satisfaction. That is pedophilia out in the open and society's cheering. That, the, that journalism person that wrote that, I'm telling you, it shows you how incredibly lost we are uh, as a society. That is pedophilia right there out in the, you know, we are just, we're, we're indoctrinating you and, and you guys are not saying anything because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So, you know, let's go back to why society's not saying something. For, <laughs> for years, for decades, we had the gay and lesbian uh, community, like myself. It does not matter how you feel about homosexuality with me. If your religion is against it, if you're against it, if you think it's evil, all that kind of stuff, that's okay with me. That means that we disagree. It doesn't make you intrinsically evil. It doesn't make me a saint or vice versa. We have a disagreeing of opinions, and it's okay. What I'm not okay and what we were fighting for for decades was for what I call righteous rights for any human being, which is to love who you love, an adult, 
and and have a relationship and at the end of that relationship if somebody's in the hospital you get to decide what happens to that person that you've been with for 50 years you have you know basically a place to live you can buy a house and not get kicked out because you're homosexual you can have a job and not be fired because you're a homosexual those are righteous rights now what people don't realize is most gays and lesbians that's all we were after so in 2015, what happened with that, Robert? In 2015, we got those rights. We won. So what I've learned in the last year is that activism is a business. I didn't know that. It's pretty sad that it's a business. It's the reason why we're at where we're at. Because uh, people who care drowned. They, they can't make any money or make a living. The people that don't care get promoted and get on stage and get millions of dollars. Uh, so in 2015... We won. Well, what happened to the LGBTQ? Now, that's a business. That is a business. Sure, it's a nonprofit, but it's a business, just like Turning Point, just like all these. And we need them. We need all these organizations, but we need to hold them accountable. Well, in 2015, let's say the UK, what's called Stonewall, the LGBTQ, perfect example. 2015, they claimed bankruptcy. They won. All what I call the decent gays and lesbians, we all went home to raise our kids. And what was left over? Left over is an organization that wasn't able to pay their bills, wasn't able to pay people, had to file bankruptcy. Well, a year later, they went from filing bankruptcy to throwing those papers off, not finishing it, and doing one thing and got a 32% year over year growth. These are facts, people. What do you think did? Well, this this comes to the agenda that is being funded heavily. Uh, you know, I, I, I see a lot of reasons for it and not good reasons, but reasons for the, uh, you know, the profitability of, of these agendas. And as you pointed out, the extreme left needs the extreme right because they, they fundraise off of this. So on one up. level, on one level, there's elements of backslapping behind the scenes going, yeah, we got these rubes. Everybody believes we hate each other. And on some level now, those of principle who would never promote things like pedophilia. Again, making the distinction between two adults coming together and exactly. deciding how they want to live their lives together and harming no one else and certainly not harming children in that way. That That's a whole different discussion, as you point out, make that distinction. That was yep. achieved to a great degree. And then suddenly it went into this whole other alphabet soup scenario where, you know, most of us are going, what the hell? Where did this come from? And well, this we came from in 2015, they signed with an organization called Mermaids. Mermaids is the biggest organization that pushes the medicalization of children. Um, they are the ones that are responsible for the gingerbread, uh, the gingerbread, you know, gender cookie. They're the ones that are responsible for the packets that are coming out in kindergarten classes. Like you could be transgender if they are responsible for all of this. Now, that 32 percent year over year growth has actually blossomed into something that is so far above any profit model that has been in the medical industry ever. This is the highest profit model of anything. So if they get a child on puberty blockers, they get them to 18, they medically transition, they will be on <laughs> synthetic hormones yeah. for life, for life. Now that's $1.3 million. That's a monthly reoccurring, I know how much I'm gonna make. These people, whether or not they detrans or don't detrans, all this stuff, they will uh, They will need me. So the sinisterness of this mm -hmm. is, is enormous and you hit on something with that. And I'm glad that you hit on that. We've got the left and the right and they've got their agenda. As long as they hold their, their, their own, 
you know, with the right, the left, the woke, they have all these people that already agree with them. They keep funding them. All the people that maybe need to hear some of that thing, like what is a woman stuff? What is a woman needs to be seen by every human being on the face of the earth? It's a wonderful documentary, regardless of if it's a, you know, conservative Matt Walsh. And I know him personally, he's a good guy, but hate him if you want. Everybody needs to watch that. Nobody's going to watch that because and then you got over here who's doing the same thing. All right, I'll just Christian pieces. And then so nobody's watching in the middle. And if you get somebody like me that is in the middle, I get drowned out because I get no funding, no help, no nothing. And I get very few people to listen. Well, guess what? I've done something that most people don't do. They're listening to me now. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to have you on. And thank you to Kevin for connecting us. Uh, it's an important uh, discussion that is not happening. As you said, there's yelling and screaming and not a lot of this uh, going to the heart of someone who's been through it. And, you yeah. know, having the integrity to stand up on what is right here. And I think in, in this audience, most would agree. And I'm seeing a lot of commentary in that grateful for what you're doing. Uh, and you, you also nailed it because this is the new growth and profit center for the pharmaceutical no industrial complex. It's not enough that they lied to us about COVID and created an entirely new uh, disease model that could be actually made worse by something that's an experiment, This, uh, you know, the COVID injections. Now we have, again, this growth model industry of permanent alteration and butchery of children and then permanent drugging of them through these things. Another category of we've got lifelong dependence upon the drugs. And this is where I say the modern medical monopoly, the third leading cause of death, arguably the second and first, because if we look at not only the suicide after these uh, transitions, as you point out, is, is uh, you know, validated. Unfortunately, that's what we see, but that's, I guess, not to be unexpected. But we also see that the cancer causing you know, and I've said this about modern medicine, the third leading cause of death. What's the second? What's the first? Cancer, heart disease. The very things that they do, including these endocrine compounds, can create heart attacks, not just cancer. Yeah, yeah. So they create Listen, more the, disease the that they can. Go ahead. The, the the complications, you can go on my site. There, there used to be 12 complications of the medical transitioning of children. It's jumped to 26 with a uh, the latest uh, study that said that it, you know, it was a miraculous cure for, for suicide, you know, helping kids that are suicidal. They basically retracted that one, too. It was a short study. I think it was only like 22 kids. Well, in that, uh, there were 22 kids to commit suicide while they were being medically transitioned. But they suppressed that. And then they found all these other uh, complications. I mean, this is wrong. There's very few things politically that are black and white. You know, most of the time you got to meet in the middle. And unfortunately, nobody's talking in the middle. This is this is a, a, a black and white thing. Absolutely unequivocally, we need to get to the point where we can have conversations, where uh, hard conversations with people. I'm, a, you know, if I'm talking to a super religious person, I'm against homosexuality. Okay, I understand what you're saying. We haven't really done real great with what we've got now. So I get where you're coming from. You can have that. I don't agree with you. We don't agree. Let's move on. Okay, now let's start talking about other things instead of just shutting people off. That where, oh my yeah, god, where so do you find? Where, don't have a you don't have a voice. Scott, where do you find the common ground? And in genuinely protecting children from butchery and cancer-causing lifelong chemistry alterations, uh, I think that, uh, I, you know, I wish the people on the left right now that are so uh, just hypnotized by this hatred of the right, again, they're also vulnerable in that sense to not come to the point of sanity, clarity, and compassion and recognize that there are so many other ways to address this issue and that, yo, you're right, you're, not, you're never born in the wrong body. 
And, no, and we, we, we need to get to a place where we're able to talk about reality. And here's the reality. Uh, people, <laughs> people come same-sex attracted. They can decide when they're old enough to decide what they're going to do with it. Are you going to be in a relationship or not? Or what are you going to do? That's yours to decide. But children should not have to focus on sexuality at all. The LGBTQ plus whatever does not, should not, and, and parents should be flipping out that the LGBTQ is in our school systems. It belongs nowhere in our school systems. And we need to call it what it is. If there's a 30-year-old gay man that comes in and talks to first graders about giving a blowjob and it's happening, don't tell me it's not. I'll show you clips. We need to flip out. There's yeah. a point where you flip out. That's a flip out point. Oh, yeah. uh, there's having a, there's a- shows at schools, which is basically drag shows are a lot of fun. They're adult entertainment. It's like strippers, you know, go do it, have fun. They're fun to watch, all that kind of stuff. But they are men that overly sexualize women uh, with the idea of a fantasy of a woman having a penis. That's the truth. Kids shouldn't be in that. You know, so we need to talk like that. We And we can't be afraid of, of transgender people. Yeah. You know, if you have a trans woman in front of you who's, you know, demanding that six foot two, got six inch, you know, heels, lipstick, and, you know, it's got a six inch beard and wants to be called she. No, you, you're, yeah. a, you, you know, I'm going to call you what I see. I see, I see a man. If you look like a woman, I'll start calling you a woman. We need to have people stand up and not say anything and just listen to people. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a very lovely you know, comment. Okay, and then they talk to their spouse on the way home. Say it to the person you're talking to. Scott, the uh, the sense that I get from the left is like they call what you're trying to do is censor them, censorship. Oh, that's outrageous. It's censored. No, protecting children from inappropriate material for their age, where they're not in the consciousness and intel. You know, there, there's development that has to happen. That's why it's called childhood. Give the kids a chance to be kids and as adults they can address these things as they're more mature and capable and able to do that and there's problems at that level too with emotional disorders and abusive issues and so these people need help they don't necessarily need to be butchered and put on synthetic toxic poisons for life uh scott nugent what can people do to help you again we have your website up as we're wrapping up here with you i just want you know appreciate what you're saying and your direct straight shooter on the communication here and protecting these kids Absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all for, for protecting kids. Absolutely. Go to my website. On my website, you've got everything that I talked about with studies and facts. Get those studies, get those facts, get those videos, get them out there and start what I say, scream, because people are not going to listen until you raise your voice. So you need to understand that we are out in the open. We are promoting pedophilia with children. We are promoting that everybody is homosexual, that that's a lifestyle that you need to choose in our school systems. We're telling kids that don't fit in, that are autistic, same-sex attracted, mentally gifted, mentally ill, that well, they need to change their sex. And you need to start screaming. Everybody does. That ain't right. And, and, and the fact is, yeah, it, to say it is not hate speech either. It is absolutely not. not protecting children. That's yes. hate. Exactly. Scott Nugent, don't give up, my brother. I appreciate you so much for doing what you're doing and speaking up. I know it's difficult, as you said, not being in the easy way of like, I'm all here, I'm all there. So you get the flood of money in, but to support this message to where it can transition. And this is a funny word to say it from the extremes to the 
the common sense of it all and the compassion of it all where right and left truly, if not hypnotized into these corners would see it and go, yeah, we can all work together on this issue. This should not divide us. This should bring us together and protect children. Absolutely. Agree with you. hundred percent. All right. Thanks, Scott Nugent. You keep it up and uh, we'll, we can talk again. Good job. All right. You take All right, everybody check out Scott Nugent, N-E-W-G-E-N-T.com. I see Super Don put the website up, and it's linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. I appreciate Scott's effort. It's not. It's definitely not an easy topic. It's not a comfortable topic. It's not a topic you even want to have to address with children at all. This shouldn't be an issue that they're addressing. Now, of course, as they mature in their, in their minds and their emotional status as parents, we certainly could and should talk to them about the realities of, of the world that there are a variety of views out there, but some of these views are not in any way, shape or form rooted in, uh, I always say anything that, that even closely relates to common sense or critical thinking instead, you know, rank emotionalism for for profitability for division through fear, through, uh, uh, you know, incitement, you know, the words like censorship. Oh my gosh, you don't want um, uh, transvestite shows for children in libraries. It's like, that's censorship. No, that's not censorship. That's quite different than as adults, you decide what kind of entertainment you want and it doesn't involve harming or engaging in children in this way. Why is it, it's amazing that we even have to talk about this, but it is true how far we've devolved or moved away from basic, uh, you know, dare to say word decency, but I think, again, this is a spiritual crisis. This is not about, you know, what church or synagogue or mosque you go to. This is about a spiritual crisis that, yeah, may be embedded in those things, but supersedes and goes beyond any claim of a religious belief or otherwise. Certain basic things that no matter what, if you claim to be religious or not, you, even atheist or not, you go, that's just wrong. And I think that's what we see here. <clears throat> and and uh, Scott Nugent is pointing that out. All right, Super Don, <clears throat> I think I'm going to lose my voice here over this issue. It's a little bit emotional, plus the lack of sleep and everything else. But good Lord, what a time. What I don't, an I don't interesting know. Um, conversation, but I mean, interesting. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm probably one of the few people that hasn't seen that uh what is a woman? What is a woman movie? Yeah, I haven't seen the whole movie. I've seen bits yeah. of it, but it is that extraordinary. From what I've heard, everybody that's seen it is like you. You just got to see it. Uh, and as he pointed out, it's not right wing or left wing. It's really, you know, about some basic things that they're wanting us to abandon. Right. And common sense is maybe the least of it, but good lord, that's part of it. You know, how do you define a woman? Or can you define? Oh, I'm not a biologist. You've heard these things happen. Right. And and you know, I'd like to say it's only an issue of the left. Because I'm in a not lot a of ways, biologist. Yeah, but Come but on, in, in a lot of ways, the the, the divisiveness and, and 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 just absolute bizarreness on the political left on this and supporting uh, this agenda of trans transitioning children, there's no way to defend it. So it's not me trying to even soft pedal it. At the same time, I look at those on the right. There are opportunistics that are using it for fundraising, and yes, there is a legitimate agenda too. So we can't discard that. There is some of the right left. Uh, a playbook that is not just a playbook, right? Right now, there are people that are considered more Republican and conservative that are speaking out on this because it's outrageous. And there are some people in the middle and there are some on the left going, yeah, that's not what we're all about. I've heard people in the gay community going, this is not our agenda. This, this is not us. So I want to acknowledge that as well. It's not just this or in the, and that. There's a, 
There's variations in it, but there is right and wrong in the midst of this. And uh, we, I don't care if you call it hate speech. I know this audience by and large is not, but no, drive by might happen. That's yeah. the card, you know. It, yeah. It, it, we, you know, we used to always talk about people playing the race card, right? Yeah. Now right. there's the hate speech card. That's all you got to do is you call it hate speech, uh, yeah. and then and now it's now you can dismiss it, um, and yeah. it's, it's gone. Uh, there's an article you sent me mm-hmm. earlier. Which I thought was oh my gosh yeah. timely, right? Refusing to fund your partner's gender transition could be domestic abuse, according to CPS. Wow! New guidelines say, uh, states uh, new guidance states withholding money for transitioning or refusing to use a preferred name or pronoun would be seen as abusive, abusive behavior. Abusive behavior. Uh, that's not an English. That's that's probably Canada or UK, isn't it? Well, that's it's not the, it's the Crown Prosecution Service CPS. Yeah, okay, is that in England or Canada? Well, you sent me the article. I know, but I, I don't see it right now in front of me. I don't have the link. I, know, I apologize. I know, I know. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. This would be... Uh, CPS. Let's see here. CPS. It's the Crown Prosecution Service. I don't know. You know, you get into these like uh, UK and Canada. And they have all these. There's a lot things. of similarities. That's why we're I can't not, differentiate. We're just not familiar with. So let's. Yeah, let's look just, that up real quick. Let's now, find out. The Crown Prosecution Service is in the UK. It is UK. All there right. So, yes. yeah. And, and the, the hashtag woke has gone basically so bizarre in certain countries. And, and it exists here in the United States as well. Although they haven't fully engaged in taking tr- control of things like CPS, which is called Child Protective Services here in the States. But we've covered issues of, of, of supreme extreme violations of uh, parental rights and children's rights, in fact, by CPS and medical kidnapping, things like that, that I think fall into this category, but now made even worse through the argument that, oh, now abuse includes not allowing a child to mutilate their bodies through surgery that's irreversible before they have any concept of what that means, much less being put on. Again, I keep coming back to this. Cancer-causing, heart attack-inducing, all of these endocrine-disrupting drugs, on top of all the other things in our environment that people are exposed to inadvertently, not on purpose, but everybody is. And how much is that contributing to the dysphoria, et cetera? Why is that not being discussed? That's an environmental issue that the environmentalists that are only about what they call global warming and climate change have no interest in discussing, which is where Bobby Kennedy has integrity talking about the toxicological burdens that that we're facing. That's a real environmental issue. And even if he still perceives or believes that carbon or carbon dioxide is a global warming greenhouse gas, you know, people are confronting him on that issue and he's still not engaging and saying, well, I want global governments to control that. He believes in the free market options. And I believe in that too. The free market, let the market, let the people decide and people will innovate to find cleaner ways to do things that may or may not impact global warming, global cooling, climate change, but certainly will impact our health for the better with having less toxic pollutants being dispersed into the air and the environment, et cetera. Uh, So, you know, that's that's a real consideration here. Uh, But when we talk about the violation of not supporting your spouse to gender reassign via <laughs> surgery and drugs <clears throat> that now who's who's own who owns and controls your government and your your marriage mm-hmm. right yes <laughs> now you don't even have a choice yeah well that's why i said the danger of the medical monopoly is this is where it goes you don't own or control your body your life nothing your kids, nothing. And I've said it so many times, you know, the, the, the birth certificate, the marriage license, contracts of adhesion, these are the invisible yet visible 
contracts that we enter into often before we're adults, but even as adults, they're unconscionable because they're hidden. People don't realize what they're signing on to when they ask permission of the government to get married. This is where I've said, you know, about gay marriage. Now, like, look, if you want to form a civil union via contract, that's that's your choice and prerogative. And I believe your freedom and your right. Again, among consenting adults, whereas uh, addressing the child, the, the children, they're not allowed to enter into contracts. They're, in many cases, once who put up, they're not even allowed to get their tattoos until they're 18. And you're going to let them, you know, go into a surgical center and butcher themselves. No, that's just I don't think there's a lot of subtlety to that. To that argument. But as I've said, for those that are heterosexual and want to get married, why are you looking for the state to sanction your marriage other than a tax break? Because you've fallen under the spell of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 and everything that followed it. And so there needs to be an awakening there on economics because all of this comes back to economics as well. The profitability of causing you to become economic slaves to a system that you can never control or truly own. The question is, is how do you walk this back in as mm-hmm. far as society goes, right? Yeah. You know, it seems like, and I know that I sound like an old person now, right? This is what our parents used to say, right? I can't believe the youth of today, the things that they do, yeah. and, you know, they think this is neat and this is okay. Right. And they, you know, back in my day, right? Yeah. You know, but it's, it's just how, how do you, I don't know that you can, and that's the thing. I... I don't know that you can walk this back. So the question is, how do we deal with this? Things have gone so bonkers, and things are just accepted today that you can't even form the, the uh, sentences trying to explain how mm-hmm. befuddled you are. When you look around, you go like, "This is okay, and that's okay." Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's funny because Celia, when when we were, uh, she just she's she's in the green room now. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I love it. Every time we have Celia on, mm-hmm. she's probably going to laugh when I say this, but every time we have her on and we talk behind the scenes, she always says the same thing. She always goes, man, things are just crazy and nuts. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> she's and, right. But, but you know what? <laughs> and she's been saying that every time that we've, we've, we've had her on the show for years. Mm-hmm. That's because for years, things have been nuts. But we've and been relying on... And they just keep getting more nuts what? and what crazy, we, right? Super Don, what have we been relying on? What I call false authority and authoritarianism. Whether it be medical and scientific, which is, you know, the new religion. We've talked about the replacement of traditional religion by, and again, our we're a freedom, this is a freedom show. We believe in your right to believe as you would believe as long as you violate the rights of no one else in doing so. I think that's pretty much what God created, agency freedom. But when you start violating those rights, when you start warping minds to believe that which is clearly not true, not necessary, not kind, not helpful in any way other than to create an industry of profitability and butchery and surgical centers and or uh, these uh, permanent drug hormones, synthetic compounds, suppressing hormones, forcing them, creating a new industry for even more cancer to be managed by the medical monopoly. You begin to see that we've abandoned our connection to the source of all healing, all wisdom, And I call that God. Other people have different words for it, but it is a spiritual crisis fundamentally starting point. Then we can move out from there. Who do we rely on for authority and our authoritarian dictates? Government, medicine, media, and you can begin filling in various blanks. And it's like, where is the reconnection to the source of all of this? And that, to me, again, comes back to the spiritual discussion. I'm sure we'll have that with Celia. I know she gets that. She's just got such a good heart. And she's brilliant, one of the best writers I've ever met. 
in my in my lifetime, in this lifetime. And every time she comes out with something on her Substack, I'm reading it, whether she knows it or not. I'm reading. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, I don't know what that word is because I don't do that. But I feel you. Whatever it is, you don't do it. Whatever it is, I don't do it. It's all good, right? I can't can't find the words. We believe those words. (laughs) Anyway, we got a lot more healing to go on the Roberts Cabin. You need more sleep. (laughs) I do. Yeah, it's that's part of it. I got in at three o five a.m. and hit the bed finally. But here we are. We got a lot. Is that what you're trying to say? Stalker. That's it. Thank you, you, Lori. Lori. Yeah, I am not a stalker of Celia Farber. I am just her friend and someone who just. Supports her unconditionally because she's that wonderful. And we got her coming up after the break here uh, on the Robert Scott Bell Show as we are a little bit late. You know, we were supposed to go to TV and uh, we did. Oh, shoot. That's yeah, exactly. Know. See how distracted we were Hi, today. Hi, on. Hi, Brideon. Sorry about that. We'll do better. <laughs> Stand by. We'll be back after this because the power to heal is yours. All right, back on schedule here, Robert Scott Bell. So second hour simulcast on Mondays with uh, Brideon.tv. We're usually so good about that because of our backs, background in radio. Am I supposed to slap you, Super Don, not that we're uh, in the violence yeah, I'll, here? I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the responsibility for that one. I mean, <laughs> the, buck, the buck does stop. You know, I just, I don't right. know, I just got all involved in, in, uh, in, in being bewildered yes. at the insanity yes. of the world that we live in that it uh, distracted me. <clears throat> we'll give you some leeway, cut you some slack, whatever it says. But it's embarrassing, too, because, I mean, we've got some incredible radio lineage this hour with Celia and, of course, her dad, Barry Farber, who, uh, you know, I appeared on his show a number of times and just Hall of Fame radio career. What an, an extraordinary man. Let and, me show you something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have something over there, Super D. That's right. And I want to bring Celia into this discussion right now because she'll she needs to be in this. And Up uh, here on my yeah. wall yes. is, is a partial yeah. resume. Yes. Of all the different shows that I have, have and worked Celia on Farmer. over the, Look at over this. the years. Celia. There's Celia. Okay. Yeah. And so up on that wall are all the shows that I am proud mm-hmm. of having worked on. And up on that wall. Look at that. Oh. Barry. Is the Barry Farber show. I, uh, I got to work with Barry for, for a couple of years. Yeah. I, I'm still stunned, Celia, about our journey, uh, you know, and how we crossed in the, the the live streams so to speak because i knew your uncle barry farber because i grew up in atlanta for 30 years and i'm sorry uh, uh jerry farber yeah and and a comedian in atlanta my dad was they were friends and new york jewish background and all the things and he took comedy courses and improv courses with your uncle and so i got to see him and you know and 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 that was before i knew you you know, eventually becoming a broadcaster and learning all about the the, the corruption within NIH. Uh, and you, of course, now have the book that's re-released now, uh, Serious Adverse Events, Uncertain History of Asian, and all of the, the things that I tra- transited through, interviewing Peter Duesberg, many of the people you had written about extensively, uh, some you had befriended as well, and all of the attacks, the vicious attacks on them and you through that time. Our friend, dearly departed, Liam Sheff as well, 
and 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 it's all come. I don't say full circle. I don't even know the circle keeps going. But uh, with Bobby Kennedy's book on on Anthony Fauci, you were featured. Liam was featured because you had done so much research that made it possible for that to come out. As Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wrote about it, and I see so many people awake and aware a little bit or a lot now of the criminality that you have been covering. I've been covering as well for a long time, and. I'm glad that they're here, but I want them to know about you and all that you did and have gone through. And and not that you're after being poised up, but it'd be nice to have gratitude and love because you've been abused like almost nobody else's business in the field of of, of reporting and investigative journaling and writing and all of that. And I don't have to, you know what you've been through, but those that don't know Celia Farber, you just want to give her a hug and say, we love you and appreciate you. Yeah. Uh. Thank you, Robert. So good to be back. I was on uh, Gary Knoll's show this morning, and now it, between Gary Knoll and and you, I feel like I'm back in my kind of family of or it's like the family of origin, right? I mean, I can remember. I remember vividly. It was right after my article came out in Harper's 2006, which is when I was hit by this mega torpedo and and i was really shell-shocked and we were in some kind of conference and you were the only person who wanted to interview me in the whole wide world and you said i want to interview you and i i i, I just remember being so grateful to you that you wanted to talk about what was going on because it, it was such a time of absolute terror back then and and all of these things that are now so um like uh, out in the open and so many people are broadcasting about them, writing about them. It's almost like common knowledge, approaching mm. common knowledge, this, the dark stuff that we've known for so many years. And it's amazing. I, I know Super Don said, mm. I'm always saying it's crazy and I am saying <laughs> that, but, what I, but I also think it's, it's so stunningly like miraculous that, that so many people I guess I have to use the phrase, get it. Everybody mm -hmm. gets it. And the reason is because they attacked everybody with COVID in 2020. Yeah. And they can't cover it up anymore. And they can't make it this uh, obscure thing, this protected thing called AIDS that nobody really knows. You know, that's what we, we weren't really talking about AIDS. I now realize, Robert, all mm -hmm. those years, all of us. Um, and we probably should mention some names, you know, at some point during the show. Just make sure that we repeat. Yes. The names you mentioned, Liam Chef. I just mentioned Gary. No, there's just there are actually so many. Yeah. Who um, who fought this thing, and it was it could the climate could. I'm not going to say it couldn't have been more different because it has it has uh, features that have survived in the mm -hmm. evolution of this thing. But what's different is that it's no longer the the mask is off. The mask is off. People no longer see, starting with Fauci, thanks to Robert, F., thanks in large part to Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s, you know, smash best-selling book, The Real Anthony Fauci. It no, it's no longer um, completely shocking to people that you, things you, are, are not what they seem in in Fauci land. Do you feel 
that you and others were acknowledged well enough in that? Because I've had people come to me and go, well, Robert F. Kennedy's now an opportunistic guy because he's built on your research and others. And I don't know that you feel that way, but I want you to acknowledge that for those that, you know, care about you and think, well, you need to get more credit. And I, I know this was never about credit, but man, the human decency of just acknowledging all that you went through and how abused you were because of what you did that was right. Oh, that's a that's a very interesting question. I'm really happy to address that. The way the way I feel, and I'm only speaking for myself. There are so many dissidents, both who are still with us, and and many who are not still with us, like Liam, who um, I I'm not in touch with that many of the old AIDS dissident. What one? Th I'm going to say this first, and then really answer your question. Mm -hmm. One thing that I want to do is make a short documentary so that everybody who was part of the, the battle back then, both in science, in journalism, in all the fields, can all be kind of put in one single short documentary so that everybody can see not just who they were, but what the nature of the battle was and how they took people out and all the different dark methods that they used. Now, having said that, it, the year, it was 2020, and I was visiting my stepmother and I actually had spent the night. I was, I, I had like a bunch of pi just pillows on the floor and I woke up in this pile, this uh, improvised bed I had made. My phone was ringing and um, I looked at my phone and it said Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I thought, well, this is, this is curious. Mm -hmm. So I answered. The first thing he said was he introduced himself. He said, hello, it's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Vera Sharav gave me your number. And she said, if you want to understand Fauci and the AIDS stuff, you sh really should talk to Celia Farber. So the very first time I spoke to him, it was this super unexpected situation where, uh, you know, he, he was essentially, you could say, um, interviewing me, gleaning information for me, which right. I was absolutely ast astonished and very happy he i noticed right away within a few seconds i remember thinking to myself he's a very good listener it's like he's just a real you know that when someone's a really good listener he's a very good listener and i sensed that what i was saying was, was it was he, being received very much yeah. so yeah and he's so okay so since that the next thing that happened was that the um, my research, both past and present, um, you know, I worked on the book. There were many of us who worked on the book and and sort of handed him here, read this tape, and and that was a um, a very healing experience for me. And when the book came out, the healing continued because I just saw as soon as that book came out, and even before before it came out, I saw. That every it was it's almost like when the when the message is when people are ready to hear the message, it, they they show up for the message, and that's how what people did. They pre-purchased that book, making it an enormous bestseller. To be honest, Robert, the only thing I remember feeling was gratitude mm -hmm. and astonishment. And like, almost like I had been rescued from the bottom of a well and I'd been down there for so long. And if it hadn't been, I'll say it very simply, for what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. did with that book, in a sense, my life would have been, my life's work would have been, you might say, 
a waste because the AIDS orthodoxy, and we're talking, as you mentioned, you know, decades of very hard work and very extreme persecutions that, um, you know, honestly brought almost ended my life a few times. Yeah. And so in the, in the end, I, I just, we lost the war. The year was about 2008 and we all, we all dispersed. Absolutely. We were, I would and say. And it ended we, the life of, of many of, of people who became friends, Christine Majori. Uh, yeah. yeah. They I mean, killed people this it, way and that they killed people and people killed themselves. It, like yeah, our it, friend, you know. I mean, it was horrific, horrific, the, the, the brutality and the degree of, um, of hatred, you know, it's, um, uh, it's something that I, f I still feel I haven't quite told that story. I don't know if the world wants to hear that story. I, I haven't worked it out yet, but it hasn't really come out yet. Celia, you know? when, when I got to interview you and others over the years, including many of the scientific players from Duisburg to Bialy and others, uh, to me, I had such a great joy to be able to, and a privilege to be able to bring their voices out, even though I know it wasn't reaching everywhere, but for them, I mean, the question, of course, Duisburg, uh, with all of his, his humor as well, that he still mm -hmm. found and still had part of him, despite all of the, the attacks on him, just the, the, give them a glimmer of, Hey, there are people that do appreciate the integrity with which you go through your life and, and have, have dug and stood your ground, even though it meant losing so much. Uh, but they didn't lose what I feel is the most essential part of our very being. But again, some did lose their lives in this battle as well, as we point out. And I look back and I say, gosh, I wish I could have, you know, made what they were saying land better. But you pointed out until they're ready, like Bobby Kennedy, to sit and listen and receive the information and then bring it out in a way that the consciousness is now ready to receive, partly because everybody got abused under COVID to such a degree that they were finally willing to move from their worship of the authority or the authoritarianism of which we had, you had been pointing out for again, many decades. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, um, the way I see in, in terms of like a kind of, um, what has happened since 2020 and, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and his ascent now, which is continuing in such an interesting way. Um, forgive me. I'm just turning my phone off. Mm -hmm. I feel that, you know, if you look at the history of, of stories and how they emerge, it isn't, it is not the, it, it, it takes a village. It takes so many people and voices over so many years in so many ways before something as gargantuan as this. I feel like he just kind of was ready with the final blow. It felt to me like the Berlin Wall moment when he came along. So he's part of a continuum, which he is I think very uh, gracious about all the time. We're all we're all this continuum. We're all part of one one big wave. I have wound up with more attention to my role in that whole thing than perhaps I am due. I don't know, but it's it's partly because I was just there, and Vera said told Bobby Kennedy to call me, and I was ready, and I worked on the book, and and I think also to be perfectly. I think a lot of AIDS dissidents were, as was I before I got that phone call, just so done, so unable to, to you know, touch it with a barge pole anymore. People are just trying to survive the, the aftermath, which was trauma, sickness, poverty, trying to survive with no income, no career. You know, that was the, it's like we were all, we were sort of the, what's that phrase I'm looking for? Um, uh, 
the well, the walking wounded or the yeah. you know island of broken toys, something mm -hmm. like that. We were just and they had done yeah. such a number on, and so a lot of people we weren't like um, just kind of ready to go. Today in COVID, you see a lot of people, and they're just so brilliant and bright and shiny and they build platforms and and are kind of um part of the story it's it's there's a lot more um just battle wounds very deep battle wounds and so i'm glad that i was able to to begin the process of bringing the history of it to the surface but i'm i'm not the historian of it you know you're one of the living no. historians Anybody who, who survived has to speak to yeah. us. None of us is the historian, but we're all a uh, part of that story and, and played whatever role uh, that we could withstand playing, you know, and, and you know, the, the abuse that, again, I witnessed uh, that, you, that was heaped on you because, because of your talent as a writer and a researcher. And that's the thing. You were not richly rewarded, but richly, you know, attacked and, and, and attempted to diminish. Now you were never diminished and destroyed in my eyes because I, you know, and I think there were some of us that recognized in you and others that were doing this, that, that inherent goodness and only wanted to see the best. Uh, but there was so much in terms of our upbringing and what we would normally think is this is what we do. And this is what happens when you do good out there in the world, you know, in terms of as a writer, as a whatever. And, and to find out we were, you know, beaten and abused, but some more than others, but I'm not trying to make comparisons other than to acknowledge it. And yet you're still here. You're still standing. You're still alive. Some of our friends didn't make it. Uh, and you know, right. I, I don't know the answer to why on all of those things. I don't pretend I could, but I recognize, and I want to acknowledge all of those as well, because I've witnessed and, you know, made connections and, and called many of them, my friends over this time. And we've lost a lot, like an attrition, a, a war, a battle that goes on. It's not just one big blitzkrieg and over. It's like an ongoing. And then your point is we walk away and go, I can't, what can I do? I can't. No. And then suddenly right. they went and overplayed their hand on COVID. And now all of that work comes back and is relevant, more relevant than ever for people to understand today that they wouldn't have 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Yet they are ready today and they are speaking out. And I'm I'm just like I said, I'm torn because I want everybody to know about the people that were that came before to make this possible for those people yeah. to know what they know. Well, thank you for that, Robert. You've always been so, so generous. And so you were you were sort of like my like a brother figure who came to try protect me on the schoolyard. And I was being beaten up all the time. And you never, ever wavered. You never you never backed off. And, um, you know, here we are. It feels like we're in the clear, at least. I don't know if you've thought about this, but mm -hmm. none of us really get beaten up for being AIDS deniers anymore. That's kind of not so much a thing, yeah. knock on wood. Uh, and I feel like even the attacks over, so, you know, it was the COVID attacks were direct outcroppings of, of the AIDS. It was the same accusations, except for removing maybe the homophobia accusation. So I think what people are seeing is that the, that whoa, one thing I said to Bobby Kennedy in his book that wasn't from my past work, which is it was like a present day thought that I typed up and, and it, it appeared in the book intact, like a long quote, because I, I sat and reflected on what do I have to say about Anthony Fauci after all these years? And the truth is, I had not given that much thought to Anthony Fauci. We tended to be focused on Robert Gallo, mm -hmm. as I've said, as like the Darth Vader. And we we knew that Fauci was, you know, the godfather behind the scenes orchestrating all the attacks, the attacks on, on Peter Duisburg and others. And um, 
I sat down and what came to me was, ah, yes, now I see it. Fauci brought woke. So it used to be called political correctness. Then at whatever point in time it, it got it got turned into woke. And woke is no minor, it's no minor phenomenon. He wasn't exactly from that, right? He's from like a different background, but he 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 wielded it. He understood how to use it and he brought it into science, into public health, into the NIH. And once he had it um as his tool, he was able to crush so much, so many scientists, so many careers, just by wielding that perfect, perfect language that he knows how to do. Always, every time Fauci said something about HIV and AIDS, it was false. It was proven false over time, but people weren't receiving it that way. They were receiving it as almost like this is the way we're supposed to think if we want to mm -hmm. be good people. And right. that is what he, how he completely, as I say, just Mm -hmm. kind of demolished and resurrected the language of American science in real time. Yeah. Nobody understood what it was. They only understood, I can't say anything. I can't touch this. I, I'm going to be destroyed. Right. And that was what everybody understood. Like, Well, okay, and it was the destruction, gonna... the decades-long destruction of, of scientific inquiry, the questioning of, of uh, you know, our, our, our life and what it means and all of that and how it relates. Celia Farber, my guest this hour, we're going to take a quick break here as we're simulcasting on Brideon.tv on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Stand by, robertscottbell.com. Okay, we are still live uh, on Brideon.tv. They take like a two-minute or so break, Celia. And okay. said, it's so good to see you. Uh, I want to talk about the reintroduction of folks or the introduction for some of the, the book series, Adverse Events, as well. I want people to really get 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 up to speed of a lot of decades of, of history here. Uh, and how they can do that. That's part of what I want to chat with you about and uh, whatever else comes up. But I appreciate your willingness to just kind of flex organically like this. The conversation is so important to be had. Thanks, Robert. I, are we are we in a break right now? Yeah, we we're still going out live to our audience on our webpage and a few social okay. media sites, but we're waiting to fully engage again in about a minute and a half or so with our Brideon.tv audience as well. Okay. I don't I don't have to go get I thought I was gonna go get water, but you I can I if you want. I mean I keep talking. I'll talk to Super Don and everybody if you're thirsty. Okay. I've, be, I've got I'll my be tea. Right back. All right, no problem. <laughs> All, All right, right, Super D, open up the mic. Here you go. It's it's to some degree, like old home week, when I get together with Celia and you, you know the history we have in, in media and radio and the interviews that I did with her and so many others. Those uh, were the days. In fact, dude. that was th those were like the original cringy moments for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I first started working with you, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm like, hey, we could talk about supplements. We could have something. You're like, let's talk about how AIDS is is not the cause of HIV. And I'm like, HIV is not the cause of AIDS or yeah, whatever. Exactly. You know, yeah. and I'm it's just like, like, oh my gosh, um, yeah, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. You're like HIV and AIDS. I'm like, no. Let's not talk about HIV and AIDS, but, you know, it was a thing. And, well, uh, and it's proven the test of time again. Yeah. We were right. Isn't that interesting? We've talked about it in terms of COVID for those that are new because of COVID to this show over the last few years. The things that I was doing for so many years, you know, having people like Celia that have integrity and great investigative skills, I'm bringing those out against much to the... Uh, annoyance and chagrin of maybe the mainstream media and certainly even in talk radio to some degree, these were taboo topics, yeah. but I was like, nah, we've got to do it. Nobody's doing it. We have to do it. I'll tell you the the coolest thing was when, uh, that movie, that, uh, house of numbers came out mm -hmm. 
I was like, okay, Brent I Leon. feel more comfortable talking about it now because that was yeah. such a great thing mm-hmm. where he had all the, the, the statistics and the, the stuff and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's, I think yeah, you can still watch that on, believe it or not, you can still watch that on YouTube. I yeah, think. it's free. Hey, welcome back everybody on brighteon.tv. Uh, let's see. I've got a question coming in from our dear friend, Tia. Uh, we'll wait. Celia Farber will be joining us again. It's, uh, she has developed an infection in her ankle, taking Bactrim, but I want to know if there are homeopathic remedies for infection. Also want to know how frequently and how long per day should I use my sauna? I'm sleeping in my HBOT chamber every night. Uh, yeah, Bactrim is a sulfonamide antibiotic. It's an intense sulfur drug. And uh, as long as you're not having an adverse reaction, uh, Tia, then you can run the course with that. But ultimately, local application of the silver and even uh, ozone, very powerful in terms of uh, remediating infectious overgrowth and imbalance without harming you. You're going to have to rebuild your gut, repair your gut. And you know I've lectured on the silver aloe protocol for years, Tia, so that's something to do. But homeopathically, uh, phosphorus, homeopathic phosphorus for a systemic infection, localized infection, often you'll see the need and use for hypersulfur calcarium. H-E-P-A-R sulfur, which is not a sulfur drug. So even if you are allergic, which Tia, you're not because you're taking Bactrim and you're okay. But uh, hypersulfur is the other remedy homeopathically. In addition, then we pump in the silver, the selenium and other things. So uh, Celia Farber is back and we're back live and uh, just responding to those folks in the audience live with us. And Celia, uh, Super Don, again, remembering back to some of the subjects and the interviews I did with you and even Super Don would cringe back then because he wasn't fully aware of that history, you know, and we had to go through this and go, man. I was yeah. like, man, we're going to talk about HIV and AIDS again. We're not going to do that. I, I, I feel you. I get it. I mean, it, yeah, it was like a, like a, it like was so a, controversial. It was, a tar baby. it was like yeah. a black. Tar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Impossible. It was dark. It was heavy. And, it and for me, for me, I mean, you have to think about it. I, I've been trained at a mainstream. Uh, talk radio syndicator. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, you know, there's like, you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about that on the radio. No, no, that's not something you talk about on the radio. And it was kind of like, well, we did. This and is the, what he wants to talk about on the radio. And so we did. Right. But, but wh- who else was doing it? I don't know, but Gary, Null, Right. Yeah, At very the time few. we talk about Gary, very few very, people would very, address very this few. issue. And yeah. well, oh you know, yeah, I'll say a few. So, so of course it's so Gary Null writing in Penthouse in the very very beginning he may have been the very first. Uh, then there was uh, so the New York native in New York. This is print now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course John Rappaport, our friend John. Oh my goodness, John yeah. Rappaport. Yep, uh, and um, and his writing is just so great every day. Yeah, he's uh, got a Substack that is extraordinary. But, just but John no, no. on. Wonderful steroids. That's not John Rappaport guy. unleashed. Yes. Right? So you know, he just suddenly yeah. was just like, okay, I'm going to write the way I want to write now. Yeah. Yes. He had a yeah. Beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and um, so Joan Shenton. Joan Shenton, really yes. deserves so much credit. And um, actually, we, we had an email exchange the other day, and I want to do a, uh, I want to do a Zoom. Just gather oh, her and, and Neville and, yeah. you know, various people and just kind of t- talk about the history and reconnect because it's not so much yeah i mean i know you know it's it's not the credit thing but it Mm -hmm. is the uh how they did what they did and 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 you know who they are and how they operate and how we got to where we are and and i think that what we didn't see Mm -hmm. there's what we did see was what almost 
destroyed us, you know, individually and collectively, but there was also something we didn't see. And what we didn't see was the big picture, the big NWO, Agenda 2030, depopulation. We were very, you might say, earnest, right? At, the, like, at that point, we didn't see the co connection. Yeah. And yeah, you're broadening it out to there was the agenda behind the agenda. You know, this was just one symptom of it that happened to be targeted, had to be suppressed and had to show the scientific medical community. You do not go there. You don't do this. And we've seen this within vaccination, of course, you know, with Andy Wakefield and others. But uh, it's interesting. It's not our efforts per se, mine or yours or others of our friends, ultimately, that I, to say did them in might be a little bit strong, but certainly what we have seen is that they overplayed their hand either in yeah. overconfidence or in a desperate move to say, my gosh, we're losing them. We've got to pull out the big gun. And it ended up backfiring spectacularly in terms of what COVID has done and brought more people over to engage and discuss and go, oh, yes, of course, as opposed right. to who are you? What are you saying? Right, right. I mean, and one of the things that just stuns me all the time when I get invited on on shows and so forth. And I think to myself, I mean, you know, I'm delighted, I'm honored and so forth, but I don't understand how people today, it's weird for me, could be so interested. People are so interested in the history, <laughs> this this beastly history of, of AIDS. And I just don't know what it would be like to, to be, it, to not have lived through it then but to be interested in it now yeah. but i think the reason people are so interested is because they're really looking for clues about these characters about people really want to understand and i do too like who are these people and what is going to happen to us and where are we going with all of this and also just the sheer could it be that they actually uh, run a murderous criminal enterprise? People are still that. That's that's tough. That's a, a a tough pill to swallow. No, yeah. no pun intended. That's the big one. You know, like why would they do this? Why would they do this? And I feel personally the only the only way to begin to address that is really, as you said at the beginning of the show, to begin is to address the 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 spiritual battle and the supernatural and to begin to wrap your head around not just evil yeah. but but the satanic because the satanic relies upon sacrifice it just does now that's not something i know a lot about there are people who can just speak to that but i feel like when we reach this point like i can't look at this anymore i can't make sense of it i just don't know what it is yeah well you I know you've borne the brunt of it a lot of it uh, and, and of course that makes you, uh, what would they call that? A, 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 something subject matter expert simply because you've lived through so much, even if you don't understand all the nuances but, and details. Yeah, but you know what, Robert, if you, here's the paradox. I think that's the word. If mm -hmm. you've, well, we, you know, the phrase, um, like you can't see the forest for the trees or, or I have a little bit of that almost like I'm, I, I was so close to it. And, and there are many other people who can see things, you know, a lot more clearly now. I'm still kind of like zooming out, trying to piece everything back together. But I, mm -hmm. I, I, I will say that now that I, I that the globalist uh, apparatus has made itself so in all its hideousness has really, I now see like, yeah, actually, that, those are the people. Those are the people I was stuck at those AIDS conferences with, who I and I and I would just be so aghast at my little corner of the press room, like who are these creepy people? 
why don't I understand anything the way they think? It was so alien. And now I see, you know, they were in fact a a functioning international cult. They were mm -hmm. a cult. And the, the way they saw things, this is what's now upon us all. Right. And everyone's talking about them and that's exactly who they are. So AIDS was their first, I don't really know what to say about AIDS. I suppose mm -hmm. they, they, it was their first um, real, you know, there's polio. Mm -hmm. But but AIDS was the first one where they really got to lard on all the stuff I'm talking about, the woke, all the bells and whistles, exactly how to use it and use it for, you know, child trafficking, pedophilia, mm -hmm. um, uh, exploitation of, of resources and countries, human experimentation. It, it, it does all these things. They're, they're toy, right? Yeah. And in our earnestness, we were all just thinking, HIV AIDS is a is a theory about what causes AIDS and they're wrong about it and they won't admit they were wrong. And that's because we didn't understand the whole criminal racket and how it all come how it all came together. And the, the money in this thing is absolutely off yeah. it's inconceivable. Well, and we talked first hour, I had a guest on who had he'd gone through the trans so called transition of the physical body and he's now very outspoken and saying this is this is not what you think it is, uh, oh, and, and we've got to, and we've got to protect these children. And this is just plain wrong. And uh, and then we talked also about again another extension of the profitability of the medical pharmaceutical cult. How they've established another new growth profitable industry worth billions of dollars. These surgical centers that alter and butcher young people or even adults, uh, and then put them on lifelong uh, medications that cause cancer, heart disease, all these other things. So. You, you've created a, another monster that is woke to the extent that if you speak out against it, you're what? Uh, what is it? You're you, you're doing hate speech again. You hate people in any number of ways. They're trying to still claim or reclaim that you know you're homophobic or you're whatever. You want people to die scenario. That's where it's playing itself out right now. I don't know how it's going to last because there are even people on the political left who have lost their minds in certain ways that now find some level of. Uh, recovery because of COVID. They saw that that wasn't their agenda. As Bobby Kennedy has spoke to the liberal, modern liberal mind to say, hey, you guys, this is, you know, this is not what quote unquote liberalism was supposed to be. And trying to speak to that and bring some sanity and relevance back to the ability to discuss where we right, left, or whatever we claim, we come together because this is just basically a right and wrong issue. And we can acknowledge that. Yeah, absolutely. In the end, um, I mean, we are dissolving the left-right axis. I feel, and we're all we're, the, the. There's a lot in this. The pharmace pharmaceutical apologia and pharma worship and fake virus worship and biotech worship and contagion worship. Many of these things they were more a left of center. Um, cultism and i think that has to do with that left of center generally you have less uh less faith mm -hmm. right um but i'm still trying to work out how this could possibly have happened because you would have thought it would be a left uh it would be automatic for the left to see through a cabal like big pharma but right. you know i mean i actually want to ask you because you are the one who's you know so much about this like what what is what is it that makes people on the when i say you know so much about this what i mean is you've come you're you're the one of the pioneers uh in mass media of the pharmaceutical industry it kills people look at your your shirt right it's, 
And and yet, like, so how would you say the resistance to that notion has changed since, let's call it, maybe even ten years ago? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a great question, and I, you know, I think back to when I first started in Radio ninety nine and the five years of my preparation for that, I was deep, deeply doing deep dives into uh, what some would call conspiratorial realities. Uh, but it led me because of my own health into the the alteration of 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 understanding how disease even occurs throughout history to the point where we all became so germophobic or afraid of germs that this was the most powerful fear that we had among many that could be manipulated and used to abuse us to the point of subjugation. And the left, for some reason, embraced that more in COVID than the political right. Uh, what I mean, there's still a lot to learn from that and really dig deep as to how and why it became so deeply politicized as opposed to being everybody saw through it at the same time. So it, it became a left-right thing when it shouldn't have been. But the left, as you point out, had been less faithful to, let's say, the religion of their youth. And I'm a freedom guy, so it's not me accusing people of being heretics if they don't have a religion per se. Can they live a good life without it? Sure, people can worship in their own way. But uh, when they began to worship over the 20th century in particular, the the worshipfulness of the mind, the scientific mind, the enamored being enamored with the modern chemistry and modern mm -hmm. invention, we became almost... Uh, uh, let's say, more technologically in awe than in awe of life and creation itself because right. of the wonders that we saw before our eyes. And so we kind of went, all right, well, God can take a back seat here. And little by little by little, there are certain elements of our society that embrace that more than others and then became very dogmatically promoting the, the vaccine agenda, which became sacrament in the church of pharmaceutical or biological Absolutely. mysticism, right? Yeah. yeah. As one explanation. And... Uh, then, you know, the, the vulnerability of they came out with the idea what well, HIV wasn't so scary as you know anymore. So what, what do they have to do? And this COVID thing, how they primed us for it. There was a lot that I covered over the years that said this is setting the stage for this, this and this. And our fear of germs fu fundamentally, I think, has been one of our biggest vulnerabilities. And the question is, if there's another one to come, it means that we haven't overcome that fear of germs to see how the terrain impacts what grows there as opposed to what they add into the terrain to make you frightened of it. Exactly. I like your phrase very much, biological mysticism. That is that is so perfect. What's so shocking about this is that the same people who, who rigidly insist that people like us don't understand science and, and are rejecting science are actually, um, they're throwing all of civilization into this pit uh, after something that is just pure, it's like a ghost or not even, it's just pure nothingness. And the only way that they get people crazy with this stuff, I finally have realized it's precisely because there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why are people afraid of ghosts? Why are people afraid of viruses that haven't been isolated or proven to cause anything. Can you make people afraid of anything whatsoever? You know, I sometimes talk about the, um, Goethe wrote a, a famous, one of his, it's a short famous poem and there've been pieces of music written around it. And it has, uh, in, in English, it's usually called the Forest King. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it, the original German is Earl, Earl Koenig, K-O-N-I-G. And it was about the, uh, it was a parable of the, a father and a son on horseback. And the, this, the boy was sick. And um, the father's holding the boy and riding through the woods on horseback. And the, the boy is, is ex- seeing and experiencing a creature, a supernatural creature that's trying to take him away from the father. And he's crying out, and the father keeps saying, "You're imagining it, my son. There's no, there's no Earl King. There's no forest. Nobody's. It's just the leaves. It's just, you're just imagining it." And so they they keep going, and the and the son gets more and more petrified, and he experiences this this being as as very real and as like snatching him out of his father's arms. And the father keeps saying, "No, calm down. It's nothing." And um, it has a very tragic ending when they come they come through the woods and the boy has died in the father's arms when Goethe left it ambiguous. Was there a, was there a thing, a creature? Was it real? Did the boy imagine it? Did the boy die from fright? You know, it's just and I feel like we're Well, I guess the the, the the figment of the imagination becomes the reality. So in, in that sense, leaving it there, we recognize whether you believe it is or it isn't, you're right. That that you know, yeah, conundrum. yeah, yeah. And, and so, and by the way, Rappaport plays a role in this. His, his He came up with the phrase, the Church of Bi- Biological Mysticism. I modified it in terms of pharmaceutical because that was a real pharmacian sorcery element of it. So I wanted it to really be focused not on biology, but on pharma's corruption of our perceptions of, of life and, and nature and, and biology as well. But it is all in, in line with that, how we have been uh, programmed to believe something that isn't real, but it becomes real because the power of belief makes it real. Yes. The moment we stop believing in it, it, the emperor wears no clothes and that fear dissolves. They no longer have that power over us. And in many ways, COVID has helped people to finally get there. And in other ways, people have been driven deeper into, into fear and psychosis because of it, which is, you know, the question I have about our next chapters you know, if we're going to be here through that, how do we help people through that by telling these stories, even revisiting going back in the day when we didn't understand fully what we were engaged in and showing people how it's all connected so that they don't make the same mistakes in believing the same lies or versions of the lies that are subtly different, but enough that they go, oh, that no, this time it's different. This time it's real. We got the boy who cried wolf scenario again. What do you perceive that they can pull off now after COVID? Uh, really good question. What I was thinking of just now, as you were saying that was, I'd like, I actually, I wanted to bring, uh, bring, bring Don into this and ask him a question, because mm-hmm. if we go back to the, the big atomic bomb of propaganda with AIDS was not just that HIV came from Gallo's lab and was the cause of AIDS. No, the theory was the spread and the scare, and it was supposed to explode and decimate first in the United States, the heterosexual population it was on the cover of, of Life magazine and all the rest. 90 million Americans were supposed to be dead by 1990. Then they moved it to Africa. Africa was supposed to be decimated. Okay, so, and and, the, and Fauci was, was steering all the different theories. So first it was toilet seed and salad leaf and casual content. And then it turned in, you know, remember all the saliva? It was it, all over the map with this stuff. But But one thing that was very clear was that heterosexual people were meant to understand you are nobody is safe now it may have started with gay men but it's coming for you that was and that the journey, yeah. any sexual encounter 
and, and with any exposure to, to seminal fluid, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, what do people who weren't steeped in this think about the fact that that, uh, that whole scare bomb was a big dud and nothing even close to it came true? So this is what's so astonishing. Why are, why were people primed to believe these characters again? Well, because mm. they stomped all of us out. So <laughs> Don, was, what do you that, think? I mean, yeah, that's an interesting question. Asking. It you was know, new. I you know I would say it reminds me of what happened with with COVID. You know, it was like you get the cold, get the flu. They tried you know SARS and whatever right. like that. Then along came this thing nobody had heard of before. It was brand new. Nobody knew anything about it. And you said they showed pictures of people dying, you know, and, and and what they look like and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, to just just come right out with something that people were unfamiliar with and had no experience with and knew nothing about, uh, it, it scared scared the bejesus. Wait, are you it. talking about COVID now? Or, no, or no, 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 no. I'm saying I'm saying with the HIV thing, I, I oh, draw yeah, the yeah. parallel where mm-hmm. it's right. like when people are like coronavirus, everybody's like, what? what yes, what? right. Exactly. But I don't I'm know saying, what that is. And no, look, there's people dying. And it's like they, they they made the connection. It was like nobody had anything to to relate. They couldn't relate to it. It was something yeah, new. Yeah, I get, I get that yeah. part. But what I mean is when the way you see a PSYOP, its failure is always the back end. Look at the back end of a PSYOP. So the back end always just falls off. And so they're on to the next one and the next one. But if you pivot around and you look at A's, this is why I'm always harping on this. Every single human being who was alive, who was threatened and targeted and brainwashed at every sexual encounter, blah, blah, should should have an inner, you know, it didn't happen. And really, there should be tremendous anger about it. I mean, the, that's water on the, under the yeah. bridge now. But it, like, I think what people psychologically, us battered people told, but people told themselves, well, it didn't happen, but there, but for the grace of God, and you know, thank goodness, and maybe they solved it. Oh, right? they got but, it under control. You know, they they came out with these these. But uh, that AIDS. wasn't the model, Don. That was not yeah. the model. The model was any single broken condom anywhere in the world, anytime. Right. And that so, true, proved to be so not true, right? The heterosexual AIDS epidemic that would kill everybody. Dodged a bullet. Right. Totally, totally, totally fictional, and that that they get away with so much. They. Uh, they just don't have to ever pay the bill, you know, for all. Well, it's like it's like uh, weapons of mass destruction. There's so many of these, yeah. like, like Russiagate. You know, this is not really an anomaly. This is, How this many is, times do we go back to the same people who were wrong consistently and they're still the experts that are at the table going, here's what we got to do? Well, hey, because right. it's an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And we're on the receiving end of it, and they are the abuser, and the, like the the traumatizing narcissist gets to yeah continue to rule. So, I, I say e- even today, as we look at all the people who are wrong about COVID, uh, they're still the people that are at the top levels of government, media, and medicine, getting together and talking about what do we do next? How do we do? You know, how do we manage this? What's our public health policy? And yes, there are physicians that have risen up in, 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 I believe in integrity, like Peter McCullough that see through a lot of this, but still where are the homeopaths and the herbalists and the, the naturopaths and the doctors of chiropractic that look at the body differently than the germ theory aficionados, for instance, and, and reductionists, where are they involved in discussions moving forward in terms of policy? They're nowhere to be found in terms of in, 
involvement and welcome to the table. We really need to think about this differently. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, a lot more about that. I, I, it's been very shocking to see groups of people, like for example, social, like you know, rock the rock community and the this community and the, that community. Like there were that there were sort of things in each community that had in some way primed them to fall into the pit and and take and take the shots. You mm -hmm. know, God forbid. And that that's been that's been horrifying. Yeah. For all of us, just to I would see. say the, the flip side of the coin, though, mm -hmm. is look at how many people didn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it might I be mean, up to a quarter of Americans, or uh, or even uh, more. And and how about the 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 uh, the people now that don't trust the health agencies and don't trust you know these people? Yeah, you didn't see that happen with the, with the HIV AIDS situation. It just kind of just went away, and everybody went along with their business. This COVID thing, they really shot themselves in the foot. Because there are people now that are awake to the situation that uh, never were before. It took the mandates and the lockdowns and 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 the media, the new media, the alternative, whatever you want to call right. it. Right. We right? didn't have that before. We didn't, right. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of stuff has come to light and been exposed that has never been exposed before. And so you have a lot more people that are now looking at things way differently now and are not going to mm -hmm. trust them the next time they try and put something like that out again. Yeah. Right. And which begs your question, Robert, you asked, you know, what do I think they're going to they're going to launch next? I try not to speculate too much. I know people have said, oh, it's going to for a while it's going to be Marburg and monkeypox and this and that and this and that. But what I see kind of on the horizon is they're going to go with climate, uh, climate change, which they already are. It's going to be weather terror, mm -hmm. which it already is. Um I was in the south of Spain last summer. My my son got married, and I stayed in uh, 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 it was in Andalusia, the south of Spain of Spain for three mm -hmm. months. And they were they were running last summer. It's almost like they're testing it out. They were running the big heat wave terror. Yeah, it reminded me in every way of um, of, of AIDS terrorism. Sure. And they and I was sitting exactly exactly where they were saying. It was not survivable, and people were dropping dead. And you know, and everything was completely normal as usual. Right. Everyone's going on, going on about their business. And I actually looked up the the temperature scare scare porn, the yeah. temperatures that they were citing in certain parts of the world where they didn't think anybody would right, here, here, check Celia. them and double check them, and they were totally lying about the temperature. Oh yeah. By oh, the way, okay. we got to take a break here. Celia, can you hold out for the bonus round? Hang of out course. a little bit longer. Yeah. And by the way, we all need to move the Obama's house in Martha's Vineyard because that's the only safe place on the planet as the ice caps melt and he's on the coast, but somehow it'll be okay. <laughs> anyway, Celia Farber, go check out her, uh, well, the book is out again. It's Serious Adverse Events and Uncensored History of AIDS. It's linked up in the show notes at robertscabell.com. Thank you. God bless you. We, we got more to do after this break because the power to heal is still yours. All right, bonus round commences now. More with Celia Farber as well. And uh, just real quick shout-outs and thanks once again to Leslie and family for hosting us for the first-ever RSB Family Union. Next year it could be a reunion because it'll be the second time. And what a wonderful group of folks that came together uh, pretty much organically to, to teach one another, learn one another, and simply enjoy the beauty of the natural world together and grow food, learn how to homestead and take care of ourselves and each other first aid, wound care. Stuff. I mean, it was an amazing adventure that was not theoretical, but practical and pragmatic and it made it happen. We did that. 
And I thank you all for coming together. And I hope that you'll have the the ability and and maybe the willingness too to attend to get out of your comfort zone. Whether it's uh, the Red Pill Expo with G. Edward Griffin coming up mid August, or uh, the many other events that are upcoming, including the Health Freedom Expo in, in October, and many in between. We've got those up in the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. Also, my friends, Ty and Charlene Bollinger putting out Remedy, a docu-series. I'm also featured in that. Many of our friends are giving Remedy to the the, uh, the injurious uh, uh, assault of vaccines and vaccinology uh, right through to the COVID injections. And that's coming out soon. You can now sign up to become part of that. It's free for viewing. You just got to uh, get in there, uh, get your email there, and you'll get sent the uh, direct links to watch that. Uh, also, a quick shout-out to uh, Bobri Oren, uh, came all the way from uh, Georgia when it was under the control of the Soviet Union, went to Israel, then came to America. And he's on a, a man on a mission to bring the folium PX. This is a botanical blend that was put together to counteract the radiation from Chernobyl, saved so many people's lives. And it's an antioxidant blend that is not synthetic. It is botanical. And it, it, was, it will push you past that ceiling in your healing. If you're stuck, Get on the Folium PX, a three-pronged approach, foliumpx.com, RSP 10, 10% off, and then the Folium Immuno and Folium Relax. There's so much more I want to share with you, but I, I, I don't get this every day with, with Celia. Uh, busy girl that she is. She's amazing. She's so wonderful and lovely, and, and probably she's like, stop it, I'm blushing. But you know how much <laughs> I appreciate you uh, and, and wish everybody would see that which uh, I see is that value of you in this lifetime. And what you brought. Oh, and look at the kitty cat. It's Lewis. <laughs> Lewis is still around. Oh, it's so great <laughs> to see Lewis. <laughs> well, it's it's great to be. You know what I was thinking? I wanted to well, something I wanted to ask you. What was it? And you'll tell me if we're running out of time. What did I want to ask you? Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So I think the next thing, like we got to make sure we don't stay in virus land. Mm -hmm. meaning that we're expecting them to launch another virus terror necessarily, but just to look at, you know, we know them, we know the signs, we know when it's them, we know, and I'm actually, I don't like to be, to speak of things that I'm afraid of, but I'm, I'm getting more and more anxious about what they're, what they seem to me to be doing with the weather. Yeah. It seems to me that they're messing with the weather. And when they're messing with the weather, I, that's not something I, I know how to quote unquote tell mm -hmm. people that's them. Because if you're, if your, your house is flooding and you can't, you know, like it, sure. it seems to be weather, right? It looks like weather, but the, one of the scariest subjects in the world is, is weather, weather modification and harp. Yeah. And so I guess if I had my, I would say, let's all pivot to that. But I, I, I spoke to, my friend Diana West the other day about this, and um, she she knows somebody who knows a lot about this. And this this person had actually said to her, I mean, as a researcher, that he he just couldn't handle it psychologically, and we couldn't handle looking at it, you know. And right. how do we how do we confront this thing? What do we do? What do we? Yeah. Um, because it feels to me like, oh no, you know, we just got out of the virus thing, mm -hmm. more or less. Um, but the weather thing. Um, well, and, and this is where you get into the 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 division in society too, because I could say this with Superdon, because Superdon is a critical thinker, right? Mm -hmm. He he will make sure I don't fly off the handle in any particular direction and comes back and grounds things. Yet I don't think it's arguable that we man 
if we will, or those who control the technologies don't have this technology. The alteration of the ionization of the atmosphere right. and that alters the weather. These are things that should not be controversial that do exist yet to speak of them are still right on the edge of reality that could be accepted or uh, dismissed as another crank conspiracy theory where they've lost the ability to say a lot about that because so many of the theories became factual within days, weeks, and months in COVID, right? Right. In still certain areas, Super Don, wouldn't you agree? Talking about weather modification and manipulation is still that area of, oh, now you've gone off the deep end again. Not so much now. I mean, you know, they, they, that's something I think that would have been said years ago. Okay. But, you know, every once in a while, even I, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't dove into the weather modification uh, topic mm-hmm. myself personally. So what I know is what I've just kind of seen and heard and stuff. But every once in a while, you'll see a story come up in the news, the mainstream news. Um, you know, China, uh, you know, there or somebody. In fact, it wasn't that long ago. <clears throat> it was in the news that somebody was saying, "Oh, we should we should put these particles in the air to 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 uh, to block out the sun and make it less sunny and stuff like that." And that was mainstream news. That wasn't coming from natural yeah, news. Yeah, they admit or, it or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. it was in the mainstream news, and it was yeah. kind of like. Oh, that's kind of crazy sounding, <laughs> you know, and then, and then it just went, you know, they went on and started talking about Kim Kardashian, you know, but it, it was like that stuff, it, it does come out. So, you know, does that stuff exist? Yeah. I mean, you could say, yeah, it does because they've put it out there. Now, the, the question you have to ask yourself is why are they putting it out there? <laughs> you know, if, if it's, if it's, if it's just a conspiracy theory, you know, uh, right. But it's what not does that so do? much of a conspiracy theory Super anymore. Don, what does it do to, you know, all of those that would dismiss the Alex Joneses of the world, for lack of a better way to say it, in terms of those who were right, first Right, because he was saying this 20 years ago. Exactly. And yeah. you find out a lot of the things that he's predicting. Now, again, I can't go into the new I've never met the man personally, right? I've been on his show once when Mike Adams hosted it years ago. But, right. but at the same time, you go, well, the track record of predictions, you go, dude, was it? Now they're all... You know, even Bobby Kennedy is acknowledging the certain uh, chemicals in the environment turning the frogs gay, which was a big yeah. joke, right? <laughs> and that's like, well, it's not such a joke now as we see gender dysphoria become rampant right. or or significant where it wasn't before. And we go, right. then Bobby Kennedy does understand this, even though he comes from the political left and says, I do believe in the CO2 connection to what he calls climate change or global warming. At the same time, he's not willing to embrace global governance and centralized planning to, to dis, but to go free market in terms of innovation, which I can respect and appreciate, even if I might disagree with the whole premise. But, uh, you know, we've got to find a way to acknowledge that this is probably one of those vulnerabilities we have, Celia, and you're right, that that may be the thing that they're going to work because the climate shutdowns and lockdowns and the electric cars, right? All of this, the ability the to stoves, turn it off, right? that kind of thing is yeah. like very overt, you know, not subtle yeah. in what they can do with that. Right. Well, they're a ve- they are a very consistent, very dangerous, very powerful international, a global cult. They are a cult. And the way you know it's them is because you're being ominously frightened with just wall extreme pessimism all the time about what there's never a part of, of any of our future where it's like, Things are going to be okay, right? They hate that. Like, remember when when Trump said there were people who recovered from COVID and they oh went Oh my gosh, they, they went nuts. And it was the same with AIDS. If anybody said, "Well, you know, it seems to be leveling off," they went nuts. So, so that is how you know this cult. They they keep they keep flogging us normal money innocent in it. people yeah. constantly with, and it's, it's again, it's like it's like an extreme 
alarmism, pessimism, negativity, and you can't be you can't be um, <laughs> saved in that church, if you will, if you if you are not worried and frightened. So you have young generations that do that just as a matter of like forming an identity. They have to be absolutely you know apocalyptic about about climate and and again it just comes back to they scared us about bogusness so many times they scared people so at what point mm-hmm. can we it's one thing to see through their lies it's another thing when they go next level creating a situation that seems to be the thing they're warning about like with weather modification your point uh, about the 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 uh, apocalyptic prediction and that's the only acceptable, uh, you know, part of their belief system. Uh, look at COVID. It was how did we get everybody to lock down and and do all of these things? Even Trump, supposedly a freedom guy, to go, okay, we got to do this. Uh, something that goes against theoretically his nature. Uh, it's we're all going to die unless we do this. And if you don't believe we're all going to die, then you're the one who's responsible for killing us. There's no you know, and it's from also. That. Yeah, it's also, Robert, one thing I've been thinking about, it's a fetish, a fetishism that's very, in a way, anti-American, a fetishism for safety. Everything has to be safe. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not what this country originally was all. They got everybody softer and scared, more scared yeah. and weak. And One of and my T-shirts like, says, you stay safe, I'll stay free, which is very American, I think. Yeah, uh, exactly. And trying- You've got the American spirit. And I think that American spirit, luckily, it's it's here. And a lot of people have it, even if it's kind of latent. Mm-hmm. But I think it feels like the new way to be an American is to save, 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 save. But the, we got to just get, get it off us. Now, this thing about the sun being blocked out, that is Bill Gates' obsession. That's Bill Gates' big obsession. As far as I'm concerned, that's his that's his real prize is to block out the sun. And it's so satanic and it's almost, it's so crazy that your mind shuts down. You can't even believe it, but he's, he's in many interviews talking about it, you know, are, well, we're going to have to like, this is this cult, right? So the real question is, what do we do? They're not elected. Everybody hates them. They're deadly. They're dangerous. They're everywhere. What do we do? Yeah, what what do, so on a on a on a local level we can decide well I'm not going to live in fear of this 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 and this and I'm not going to believe media lies and I'm going to get my information elsewhere and I'm going to stay healthy and so on and so forth um but I think what we're all the big question mark is what net are they going to throw down on humanity next and how do we prepare for that how do we because these people are kidnappers like with COVID, you know, I was thinking about this. One of the stories I did many years ago was um, just sort of a, a, a different story from what I'm known for. But I did a bunch of stories on on the O.J. Simpson um, case. Trial? Yeah. Not really the trial. It was after. Okay. It was after after the trial. It was one story for Esquire and then another one for Rolling Stone. And mm-hmm. and in the end, I wound up writing also the um, ghost writing a book about it from somebody who was very involved in that whole thing. And the reason OJ Simpson got sent to jail, this is not going to turn into a conversation about the OJ case, but the reason he got uh, jail time in the end was because there was a conflict about his memorabilia that people had taken out of lockers. And he stormed into the room very angry, confronting these guys who had his stuff 
And he said something like, nobody's leaving this room. And that was it. I don't know if it was nine years or whatever he got because he had told people you can't leave. Mm -hmm. And so this lockdown precedent is so extreme. It is actually against the law to, to block somebody's free, free passage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you, you're not leaving this room. You know, it's against the, but they can do it on such a grand scale. And so I, what I'm, what I, what I, what I dread is is the concept of another lockdown just that you know just like that that seems to me to be the thing the worst thing that they did well no actually no the worst thing that they, they did was the the covid shots but the lockdown itself was a kind of black black blanket mm -hmm. demoralization terror tool and it yeah. felt like that like like it felt like being on an airplane that was just hijacked you know mm -hmm. So no, I don't I, mean I, to sound really negative here, but I'm just no, kind of brainstorming I, the, with you. Like, how do we not let this happen again? Or, or no, what do we have a choice about? What don't we have yeah. a choice about? And I don't think that I would determine this to be negativity at all, but uh, an engagement in we've just gone through something quite horrific, even though you've gone they through They showed us like, what they're yeah. capable of. Yeah. Let's not doubt them next time. They yes, thank you. They showed us what they're capable of, right? Yeah. And, le and let's not uh, be overconfident in our ability to withstand easily and simply by saying we won't let this happen again because the machine and the machinations of it, the techniques that they have are yeah. so nefarious, sometimes subtle, yet then exploding in an overt manner that it overwhelms us even when we say, well, I, I would never, I would never, it would never happen again. And, uh, you know, that's the interesting thing about Vera Sharav and, you know, the Yad Vashem, the never again. And here we have the stories out of Israel. You know, how many generations removed from World War II were Jews in Israel allowing for, you know, basically stars of David for those who got jabs and not? I mean, we covered that as well. And I, I talked to a number of Israelis that were like aghast saying, how does this happen in the midst of this culture and in a, in, in a, a people that had been decimated to near extinction at that time not long ago? So to say, how long does it have to be, you know, if, if just... 50, 60, 70 years is, is, is long enough for it to repeat three years right. could be a year. I mean, they've shown themselves to be very adept at causing us to divide and be conquered. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Ex yeah, exactly. I, I feel like, uh, we're in a, um, we're in a space right now where, where, where people are beginning to realize that when they look into the machine, the matrix, they believe that things are happening. And when they remove themselves from it, it all fades and they can see uh, the sky, the trees, the road, the, the house, the store. They can see that they're in, you know, reality. And so this matrixy stuff is also part of what we have to kind of deal with that when you, when you start looking at it and you look at all the, social media and and you realize oh my goodness that could be them too that could be them anything could be them if you know what i mean like the psyops are birthing psyops <laughs> it's like it's it's advanced social engineering but really it goes back to mk ultra if you ask me this is trauma-based mind control that's the thing to understand not why virology is false you know we get it yeah. It, it's it's what they understand about human psychology mm -hmm. that we now need to understand about ourselves 
yeah. the, while they're experimenting on us. There was a, uh, I don't know if it's a bit of naivete, but one of the things many thought, and this goes back to the whole AIDS, uh, you know, debacle and, and the dissident movement, was that all we have to do is show them the science. Oh right? my goodness. We are so oh correct. And, but, and, and that, even in COVID, we saw that throwing out all of the studies that countered their narrative didn't matter a lick, not a thing for those that were engaged in lockdown, shutdowns and distancing. So again, we got, well, you'd think that appealing to an intellect and intelligence and scientific integrity would be, of course, that's the winning combination. We already got that, but no, we've already shown you that that's not efficient or effective or even a necessary part of the overcoming of the recovery. Uh, so right. that, you know, again, something that would, that when people come to the center, Oh, well, of course the science shows this, but it didn't matter. It seems to almost never matter when they control a narrative and they beat you with it. The very thing that you say, I'm questioning things, which is a good part of, in fact, science itself, the whole technique of learning about the world is asking questions, even about so-called established science, that they may have missed something. The whole basis of it, yet that became the science denier. And we, and you know that word denialism as well as anybody in your life, how they used uh, Holocaust denialism and repurposed it for, you know, many reasons from AIDS on forward. Absolutely. The, the, there's no science in any of this. I, I don't know if we wasted those years or what, but yes, absolutely. The dissidents were very, very, very focused on a false, all of us were a false belief, as you say, that all we had to do was disentangle and light up the correct science and it would, it would cause the incorrect science to, you know, roll off the cliff and stop bothering us. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid nothing could have been further from the truth, which is why I'm trying to talk about these things like trauma-based mind control, like woke, which is, which is part of it. Um, the, the, the technologies, the mass media, the social media, all the, all the ways that they play on our minds. It is, I, I've called it witchcraft. You know, I've run out of words, I, I, what to call it, but I, I, that's probably not the right word because that puts a lot of people off. But mm -hmm. trance, you know, you start looking at like Kathy O'Brien and what she's talking about in her latest documentary, you know, MK Ultra Survivor, Kathy O'Brien. And she says she she overheard back then when she was being trafficked and abused and she was with all those powerful people at the tops of government and they were saying that they were going to run MK Ultra on everybody that it was going to and that's kind of what I'm beginning to see mm -hmm. that I always thought MK Ultra was you know I knew about it but I thought it was uh quarantined to certain but I think what it really was was they were they were really perfecting that science so they could MK Ultra the whole culture, and maybe the JFK assassination was the first, mm -hmm. the first event in terms of. That's just how I see this country now. It's like we, they shock us, they shock us again and again and again, so that we don't aspire, so that we don't feel sovereign, so that we don't get get our communities and our families and our life, you know, together. So so that we stay kind of like, um, well frightened frightened almost like farm animals that are dependent mm -hmm. on them for our very survival and i do wonder when i hear people in our field say you know don't put don't comply and i i always wonder well what does that mean exactly like in aids here's what it meant we would say very specifically 
don't get tested because it's just a trap to put you on toxic drugs that are going to just don't get tested. That, that was the trap, the HIV test. If you could stay out of that trap, you could s stay out of the whole thing. What does it mean? Don't comply, you know, like CBCDs and all like what this is, this is my big frustration now is what the people who, who claim to know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. People really want to know exactly what they can do and what they have mm -hmm. no, maybe no choice over. What can people sure. do? For years, we were told grow, grow your own food and store food and have access to water and all these things. And fair enough. But what do what can people do if there's another climate? If there's a lockdown based on climate terrorism, and and they and they hurt and they're you know the whole thing the housing stuff that they're doing with BlackRock and all of them buying up all the houses, getting people into cities. Really, the thing we don't look at when we look at all this outlandish out there stuff mm -hmm. is the the basic destruction. And John Rapoport has written beautifully about this: the the destruction yeah. of the of of the american middle class the financial yeah destruction for so many decades that's really the the beating heart of the whole thing sure and i think about the word vulnerability always comes back up in my discussion you know finding out where we're most vulnerable and you, you know you talk about some of the basic things in terms of food water shelter uh do we have ability to withstand these things and for how long and then how do we minimize the power that they get from where do they get it? Most of the time they get it from us. The very people who say, I will not comply, the rest of the time we're, we're, we're complying by supporting them, funding them, feeding into them. And, and of course, it's strengthening their very power structure to make us vulnerable, to make us comply when we say we will not. So it's a question of the theoretical becoming the actual, the practical, the pragmatic and doing. And who's doing that? There are folks doing it, but they're often not the ones that are right front and center making all the money because they're just out there doing it quietly grindstone act you know all of that and and gathering people together quietly to do this and that is happening but we're not seeing that sometimes even in new media where a lot of people have glommed on to the ability to utilize fear porn and clickbait to address real issues they're not making the stuff up but they're not getting to that answer to the question you know what does do not comply mean in real life as right. opposed to what we've done all of this time and now we're aware of it and go, yeah, I'm not going to comply. But how does that manifest? You know, and, and it's almost like I don't like to use the concept of war gaming, but it is a strategic uh, assessment, you know, based on the history of what we've been through, as opposed to saying, I'm glad that's over with. Now we're free to travel again for for how long? You know, and that's the 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 winding and the unwinding. And that's the MK Ultra of it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we're good now. <laughs> and all of you people that are saying we're bad now, you're again, once again, we're going to label you and we don't want to focus on the negative, right? That don't, that's just being negative. And we get into that new agey, airy fairy, just love everybody, even if they're abusing you. And I get the concept of God loving us beyond all of the bad things we do, but you know, there's that can be manipulated into a state of passivity that makes it inevitable that we're going to be locked down again, climate or otherwise. So your question is a good one. A real good one. You know, what does it look like? What is it? How does it manifest? Because it's theoretical. We read about it in history and we don't have a concept today to show people this is what it means. This is what it is. That's right. That's right. And what I, uh, one thing I, I appreciated so much about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is from the outset, the way I remember it, I rem he said, quote, 
do not take these shots under any circumstances. And I just remember feeling that was like that. That's like spellbreaker language. Mm -hmm. And he did not dilly dally. Yeah. Or yeah. tell, oh, it's your choice or whatever. He said, do not take them under any circumstances. It was quite stunning at the time because the instinct is to be more, you know. Accommodating um, to the uh, various views, sides. And yeah, that is a, 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 a one thing that causes me to say, Bobby Kennedy has a level of integrity in the midst of a lot of deception and illusion on this planet, in body politic and everything, that there's grace, there's opportunity to transform. And even in the midst, even if at one point you might have been part of a cabal at some point or a belief in it, that there is an opportunity to change. There is grace, there is God, there is spirit, there is, uh, um, you know, there are miracles that happen. And this doesn't mean I'm saying, well, you have to do nothing now because Robert said there's miracles. It's just going to be a miracle. We'll wait until we're all rescued. That's not at all what I'm saying. But to acknowledge, you know, because there are many in our movement, if I can call it a movement, that believe it's a, it's a fait accompli, everybody's controlled opposition, which renders people into a state of passivity and makes the inevitable, you know, happen. You know, the yeah, that's, prophecy. that's one of those like psyops, birthing psyops. You mm. see, what I've been noticing is, for example, the controlled opposition. That's a very real thing. I feel like if people want to exist, yeah. Controlled opposition, go read the Soviets. They're the ones who, you know, invented it and perfected it. And they'll, they'll, they can show you what does that look like, controlled opposition. But the trend to call every other person controlled opposition muddies the waters, demoralizes, you know. Mm -hmm. So I like anything that's like exacting and, and forensic. But I feel like that's what we, the, the controlled opposition thing, all it takes is for somebody who's an influencer. And maybe they were planted or created. Maybe, who knows? You know, people could be cutouts. There's all this stuff that we haven't really begun to talk about yet. When I look back on the dissident war, mm -hmm. HIV wars, um, without a doubt, we were infiltrated. I, I can't say by whom and at what period of time, but there was, a, a you know, just a terrible feeling of suddenly, you know, rage and conflict and... Uh, people fighting each other and tearing each other apart. And that's a very clear symptom of, essentially, I think the right term is COINTELPRO. Mm -hmm. And so still, when we see, see people on our landscape, we just assume that people are who they say they are. Mm -hmm. So you got to kind of walk a fine line between not being paranoid and suspicious of everything and everybody, but at the same time, holding the possibility. Mm -hmm. Barry had it. My father, you mentioned my father in the beginning. Yeah. He had a wonderful phrase. I've probably quoted it to you before. He said, I asked him about journalism when I was just starting out. I was 18 and I had just reconnected with him, not having grown up with him. And he said, I could sum up, sum it up in three words. All you need to know, penetrate the ostensible. Mm -hmm. And it's like, or another way to say it is don't take anything at face value. Mm -hmm. um, but the controlled opposition trend you know, is like people, I think they feel empowered by saying, I don't trust this and I don't trust that. And that one's controlled opposition. But what we, what we don't have is a functioning model for what nobody proves anything anymore. How do you know somebody's controlled? What proof do you have? If you don't have proof, Just make sure, the you can speculate, but it's yeah. not worth that much. 
because it's not rooted in anything. And so then it winds up, who knows? And then the people who think this one's controlled opposition, they sort of gather over here and then the other ones gather over there. And we're just going round and round and round. And it, it all becomes like part of the, the matrix experience instead mm. of the human empowering experience. Yeah. I will say what has strengthened me in this process, at least partially, I mean, there are a lot of things that I do personally and spiritually that help me to see through and, and maintain that connection to the okay. divine and my perception of it so that I'm not as vulnerable, if you will. I'm not saying this from an ego perspective. I don't believe I am because I'm human. And I say, you know what? I can be deceived and I've got to be aware of that. The moment I think I can't, then I'm in trouble. Uh, but the idea uh, and the uh, practice of getting together with people, even yes. of, uh, of, you know, we, we have similarities, but there, you find out when you're in those groups, like, well, we have distinct differences too. And then you find out there's actually great joy and appreciation in those distinct differences, not fear and trepidation of, oh my gosh, I can't be around you. And this is what, every time I come together with folks at these events, we just had one or various events that are occurring, the very thing that they said in COVID, you must not do, come together, which we know why that is the case. Uh, I think that's part of uh, the behavior that has to be engaged consistently now because we have this window of opportunity before they may attempt likely to do, whether it be climate or otherwise, so that we know what it is to say, I will not comply because we have been practicing the I will not comply. In reality, right. it becomes a natural and normal extension of what we do on a daily basis as opposed to, well, when that happens, then I'm not going to comply. All right? Down yeah. in the future. And then you're like, I'm not, I have no idea how to not comply. But we have gotten together over the course of this more than ever, I think. And we must continue to do so and not fall back because, hey, they've released the pressure valve for a little while until they uh, know, screw it back Exactly. Down. And I'm, I'm, I, I I want nothing more than to think, whew, that was some weird nightmare. And, you know, we're okay now. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I'm aware of that ever since 2020, ever since, as soon as they rolled this thing out, I mean, I felt my nerves were on high alert from the very first minute. And it's like, oh my Lord, it's them, it's them and they're back. And as soon as I saw 44 cases, I think it was from, of, of novel pneumonia, and I said, oh, no, you know, that word novel, the word mm -hmm. pneumonia uh, from China. Why are we why are we being told about 44 cases of pneumonia in China? We never read about what, what people die of in China. Right. right? And, 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 and the clincher. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know? The clincher for me when we were speculating, going, OK, we we sincerely we're not sure what's happening here. And, you know, and, and we're honest about that, but also, you know, suspicious. The moment they said they're validating it with PCR, it was the moment. Oh, and Super Don, you remember this. That was it for me. Then I knew this is not, I can't even give them a, a, a little millimeter at this point. I knew that the PSYOP was on, the deception was on. From that moment forward, I knew that this was a scam, not that people weren't going to die and whatever. But you remember that moment. Once it got to that, they had acknowledged this the, is the test. The listeners created a drinking game. <laughs> uh, I think it was that every time you brought up the PCR test that everybody mm -hmm. had to take a shot. Cause we had been through this and down this road <laughs> so many times uh, that we knew that that was the case. Uh, again, not that I wasn't suspicious, but it was like, then I had the comfort and confidence Celia to go out and go, okay, now I know what this is and it's not, there's no subtlety anymore. We've been through this so many times before, you know, as we've talked oh, about Oh, there it. was no yeah. subtlety. Yeah. Yeah. There was no subtlety. I did a piece on my Substack yesterday, mm -hmm. 
which were, it, it absolutely shocked me, this piece, even though I thought I'd seen it all. And I think in the end, this piece is good news, even though if, if you read it, it might seem like, oh my goodness, we're do just doomed as a civilization. But what it is, it's about a doctor, an MD, who is said to be a COVID advisor on Twitter, and he was fully vaccinated and boosted, and he passed out in his, taking a shower, and he injured himself tremendously. He showed his bloodied face. He had actually fractured his neck. He had a subdural hematoma, I think it's mm -hmm. called. Just cover, you know, it was just like this. Uh, um, it was swollen and bloody and black and blue, and so he took a picture of himself, and and put it out on Twitter. And his narrative was, I kid you not. I made the mistake of taking a shower and the steam and there was the metal trash can and it was a hot day. And I'm thinking this is their uh, alibi <laughs> for why people are passing out and dying and all the things that are happening. And so I thought, okay, I, I don't know if they're actually launching this as a new psyop. Like if you hear of people who pass out, it could be because they took a shower. I mean, this is, this, but you know how they're they're doing this yeah. more and more that the cancers are caused by dry cleaning, mm -hmm. that uh, people taking cold cold showers was another thing. You know what I'm talking about? So if you oh, yeah. watch, they're absolutely bizarre, like Bonkers. crazy yeah. um, counter-narrative about this stuff. What I see in it is, wow, that's how naked they are. That's how nothing they they have, unless... They're messing with our heads at such a next level mm -hmm. that, that I'm confusing it with weakness yeah. on this part. If you see what I mean, I do. You know, I do. I I, I think we've covered can't tell anymore. We've covered these absurdities time and time again, and yet I don't know, Super Don, if you think anybody really believes those explanations. Perhaps there are some still true believers, and we'll never reach. But I think they're more bizarre and outrageous to the point of again, we have pointed out. And I have pointed out these absurdities ever since I got on the air in 1999 and opened the microphone. That, for me, it was like the humorous part of this that was tragic simultaneous, but I had to use humor or else I would be depressed by everything to find the funny in it and go, yeah. And, and when people tell me, you know why I listen to your show, and you know this, Super Don, what I appreciate so much when they say, well, you know, you guys make me laugh. Like, oh, thank God. Yes. You know right? what made me laugh? I love when you when you have your mom on. That makes me laugh so much. I love it. You and mom. It's just so great. We do have to laugh because I, I, I this is a piece that I started to write the other day. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up laughter because mm -hmm. I suddenly realized I was in Spain. I was sitting at a cafe and I was actually reading my father's one of my father's books. Um uh, and it's called Cocktails with Molotov. And I was reading the chapter. I actually named that book because he did have, he did actually have cocktails with Molotov at <laughs> at the embassy in, in Moscow. So the part, and I was sitting at this table, and all of a sudden I realized I was I was just go for, just laughing and laughing. And you know how humor is; it's so individual, right? But it was just a line where my my father was uh, describing the moment of meeting. Molotov or being at this place with Molotov and all the journalists were were uh, jockeying to get close to him and he was trying to think what do I say what do I say so he gets close to Molotov Barry and he says you're Molotov aren't you <laughs> I don't know why but that just struck me as so so Barry-esque and hilarious so I'm laughing and then I'm realizing whoa I haven't really laughed in two and a half years 
And I mean it, like I had just become this <gasps> hypervigilant, you know, war creature because I was already in the other war and then the new war. And it was something about being in Spain, looking around and people seemed to be still intact, like Spanish people doing what Spanish people have always done. The, 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 the matrixy thing, it didn't feel like it was there. Now people mm -hmm. say, it's everywhere, it's everywhere. I did not feel that when I was in the south of Spain for three months. And that was when I sort of got my, and I do want to go back, but that's mm -hmm. when it felt like, like the way you get your humanity and laughter and sense of humor and joy of living back is you kind of, you, ha you have to see around you that also other people are confident. And that's what I saw in Spain. They just, mm -hmm. you know, they did it. They did it completely. They obeyed. We get it post-Franco, whatever it is, they're obedient. Many European cultures are like that. But when they, when it was over, when they came out of the masks, they were still totally Spanish people. They, they weren't re-engineered, like mm. not to get together, not to laugh, right. not to have fun, not to have family time, not to mm. be sitting around at the tables. And that, and I just was astounded, like I was on a, an amazing, miraculous planet somewhere you know i just looked and looked yeah. and looked, took pictures and wrote to people back home like wow they're still acting like this and like that like all this normal stuff this actually to me is the big the big american question how do we get back to yeah i guess i want to say like having fun i mean yeah. being being right people who do something other than try not to get murdered by the government every day I know it's not a lot to ask. The uh, question is, are we such a young culture that we're still so, or maybe more so easily programmable than others, even though I believe we still have that love for freedom and their willingness to stand up for it in our DNA in America, unique to all of the countries founded on this planet, uh, where I still have that in me. I feel it. So I sense it's in others as well, uh, which is why I'm not giving up. Never. I'm not abandoning this. And it's also why I enjoy still coming to work every day as if this is work to speak about these things, to, to talk to folks, to have Celia Farber on the show, to have super Don inter, inter, engage in this as well. And, um, you know, and then to hear the feedback to say, yeah, you guys, thank you for, for, for doing it this way, not just doing it, but doing it this way that, that, you know, can make me laugh while I learn as well. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. And, you know, in your writings, there is entertainment. There is engagement, Celia. That's why, I mean, I, it's not just because I like you as a human being, as a soul on this planet, but that I would read you. It's like I'm genuinely engaged with what you write, your observations. They draw me in. If you if people aren't following your sub stack as well, and also, Superdon, if you can put the, the link to the book, Serious Adverse Events, which has come back out, uh, An Uncensored History of Age. For those of you who don't know this history, I would uh, highly encourage you to get this book. It's also, it looks like, uh, there's an audio book as well? No, it just, uh, or is there an audio book? It is, yes, there's an audio book, yes. Wow, okay. So now we have new ways to, to plug into that. There's a Kindle version and a paperback. So um, my goodness, this would be a great history uh, that many people have only heard, you know, us talk about from from time to time to really immerse themselves in to see how is it that Celia knows the things she knows and has written about what you've been through. So uh, it's like I got, I got caught, you might say, in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was just mm. on this very strange train a very long time ago, young reporter. Yeah. I dug in and I, uh, uh, and I became obsessed and uh, mm. didn't get off the, the strange train for many years. But yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, now I'm, you know, as I said, I'm beginning to see that there was a bigger purpose, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's sort of transforming all those horrifying years into something else. And I'm just really glad that I can be here now and be some kind of guide and try to help people understand where where this all came from. Yeah. Well, I just, like I said, I'm so grateful to know you and to have you as a friend and to, whenever you can be here, you always have an open door, not that you're... Uh, always needing to be on shows. And I know that you got lots to do beyond that. No, I so do want to come visit you out okay. there. I do. I'm very right. interested. Yeah. I, I'm going to come visit one of these days, Robert. I'm going to turn up with Lewis. That would be amazing. And <laughs> by the way, tomorrow, for those of you uh, in the Salt Lake City area, Utah Safe and Effective, the documentary film uh, that was worked on here, uh, that it's really pretty extraordinary. It's it's considered an apolitical documentary. We show you how on both sides of the political spectrum, they they got it wrong or they engaged in some things that are like, you know, we don't support. But it's going to be playing at the Broadway Center Cinemas in downtown Salt Lake tomorrow, Tuesday, the 18th of July, 7 p.m., limited tickets available with Q&A afterwards. Uh, and that screening goes into the, uh, the complexities of, of the conflicts of interest within uh, government, medicine, media and medicine, even church and medicine, you know, and I've called for a separation of medicine and state, interestingly enough. And, and, and it goes into a lot of those things in addition to acknowledging the very real injuries, the human toll that happens to left, right, center, doesn't matter. You know, your politics in that, that's what the human aspect of that. So if those of you can, otherwise it is available for free online at, at uh, utahsafeandeffective.org. And, uh, you know, these are things that we can utilize media for good you know, to transform people's perspectives as your book does when people will read it and, and, and really see the world, hopefully differently for the better. Yeah, I, um, I appreciate that, Robert. And uh, I'm going to put, you're saying there's a link that I, I want to put your, your film on my, on my Substack. Let me say my Substack address also real quick, if I yes. could, or maybe mm -hmm. we're totally, totally. No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, it's it's celiafarber.substack.com, celiafarber.substack.com. Um, and tell me when you said, when is the film uh, premiere, you said? Or, uh, yeah, the screening is uh, tomorrow. But it, it, the thing is, it's available now for free all over the world. But the reason that it's going into a theater in the heart of a city is that there are certain aspects of, of belief systems within, you know, more of the liberal in, in, inner city a realm that haven't been reached yet, but that now are right. open to consider things that they weren't initially because of what's happened. And so yep. that's why that screening is going to take place there with Q&A to kind of make that bridge to realize, hey, this isn't supposed to be about left versus right. Honestly, this is a human issue. But the documentary itself, if you haven't seen it, it's available for watching for free, utahsafeandeffective.org. It's also mm -hmm. been broken up into small snippets as we go into the various conflicts of interest, the, the controversies about whether the science was conducted, what did it say? So various different ways people can, can uh, engage in what we just went through and help yep. others, doctors and scientists as well, because it's 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 done in a way where if you wanted to bring it to someone you'd like to, you know, relate to or have have them see, uh, it will rise to that capacity. I'm gonna too. I'm gonna watch it tonight and post I'll post about it tomorrow. I'm okay, wonderful. It. I haven't wonderful. Seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, it's the little documentary documentary that could. Uh, and oh, uh, excellent! I yeah, can't wait. Posit some perspectives at the end that are quite, I think, quite unique that I haven't seen. You know, always trying to say, all right, now we know what's happened. What do we do now? Right. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right, but, Super D. Anything else as we wrap up? This has been a nice extended uh, bonus round with Celia Farber. It's been so long, we had to spend some time together. 
No, I think we pretty much covered it. So um, just so people know that the next couple days, we're going to be taking a couple of days off, sort of. Sort of. Tomorrow, I, I we have an opening hour, and including we're going to talk about electro-agriculture uh, that we did at the event. And I'm going to speak about neurological degenerative diseases. I did an impromptu little lecture, and we're going to embed that into the first hour of the show tomorrow so everybody can benefit by what we shared. Uh, and some other folks, you'll hear their voices too. And then, Super Don, you're going to go see the, the are they called a rock band, Disturbed? Yes. Okay. So they did, the, the most amazing sto- song they did was Simon and Garfunkel's remake of, of Sound of Silence, right? Mm-hmm. And if you've ever heard Disturbed's versions of it, it, I think it's better than Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, no, I'll go listen to it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's one of those things. It makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Wow. How interesting. And, and, you know, maybe that band is not everybody's cup of tea, but that song, the way they did it, it was like, wow. You know, my wife says, yeah, that's the best version of it ever. Really? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of. Yeah. I don't know what it is they did there, but it was pretty amazing. They took that and did their own thing with it. Um, so, but that you're doing that with your wife and it was a nice gift by, by your wife, Father's, day, own, gift. Father's yeah. day gift. So, um, and so then Wednesday will be an encore, but Thursday we'll be back live we'll be with back. Jonathan yep. E. Ward. Yeah. And right. then Friday we'll be live in Ohio. I'm going to be lecturing at Whitaker's national market. And then at the mid American health conference organization, uh, on the weekend in, in Columbus, Ohio. So we've got stuff coming up and Celia, it's been such a great, great little re- mini reunion with you it always is and, uh, i loved it it was so great to reconnect with you robert I, i'm I, um I, my apologies to your to your listeners for going perhaps on and on and on and being a little bit all over the place but it's a lot you know it's like mm-hmm. the it's the everything bagel and it's all coming it's all coming to light now and it's very hard to be perfectly cogent about this total insanity it's just no. total but that's why the the discussion, the free formed organic discussion, like we had, is so important to me as well because it helps me to you know navigate this as well to have your perspective and perceptions related in a very you know clearly not scripted way, just sharing you know our experiences from the heart sincerely, and that we need to be examples for others to say you know that's how it's done. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all kind of realizing that as much as we wanted to think we knew <laughs> all kinds of things. The, where they got us was what we could not have we could not imagine, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm I'm very um, aware of the fact that, and it's hard to write against it sometimes, or or in the presence of it, mm-hmm. feeling like, wow. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know if I know anything anymore, but maybe mm-hmm. that's okay. You know, a lot of my readers feel the same way. We're just like, wow. Well, <laughs> honesty, integrity, authenticity. Uh, it's it's still rare, although I'd like to think it's growing organically uh, because of what we've been through. And, uh, you know, I'll continue with that as a forward motion that I think is a bit positive in terms of what happens tomorrow and the next and the next day, rather than engaging in the co-creation of that, which is fear-based and what we would consider more negative and, and disempowering. You know, that's just not my nature. Uh, even though I'll no. acknowledge those things exist on the planet, it's not where I'm going to dwell. Oh yeah, you have a, a a beautiful energy, and you always did. I admire you so much, Robert. I'm so glad to have spoken to you again. And well, you know, you, we're gonna be, and we're gonna get through this one way or the other. We're all together. Here yes. we are. No, and you right? made this show much prettier than it has a right to be with me and Super <laughs> Don here. So thank you. Thank you. 
Celia, God bless you. Thank you for being here, everybody. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a new hour and a bonus hour, and then Encore Wednesday, back live Thursday. And thank you, Celia. Thank you to all for being here. Please share the show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. Get Celia's book republished. It's uh, amazing. And uh, we'll be back. Submit your questions and comments. We'll answer them next time we're live as well. Thank you again, Celia. Thank you to everybody. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Don.